All right, everybody, welcome to another episode of Break the Rules BTR. We are going through the Twitter purge right now, but we have made it through to the other side, and we are going to build something much more stronger and much more resilient in the years to come. Anyway, guys, we have a great panel for you today to talk about cyberpunk, to talk about these tech dystopias, whether it relates to real life, whether it's better in some cases than what's going on right now, uh, all this uh, beautiful uh, works of fiction that's been created both in video games like Deus uh, EX as well as uh, literature and movies and so on and so forth. And with us we got uh, two newcomers. We have Chaos Prime and we have Textile Ranch. Welcome to both of you guys and I'm going to plug your stuff right now. So Chaos Prime, can you tell us a little bit about yourself first as well as the uh, video game that you were uh, taking a part in uh, creating? Hey, yeah, sure. Um, so I build myself as a cognitive arms dealer these days on, on Twitter, uh, basically uh, you know, trying to build uh, memes that empower people and make them uh, more able to do whatever it is they uh, might be wanting to, to do in their lives. And uh, I work a lot on a game called Caves of Cud or Caves of Kud, or you know, depending on uh, how exactly you uh, choose to pronounce the letters Q-U-D which is a far future uh, science fantasy roguelike. Um, I'm not the, the main developer on that, but I've uh, contributed uh, a fair amount. Uh, you know, it's, a, it's a labor of love. I've uh, put a lot of my, my passion into it uh, and uh, created things like, uh, oh, well, on the cyberpunk topic, uh, mirror shades exist in that game because I made sure they were in there. Items like a, the, the ontological anchor, which is an armband that reality stabilizes you. And, you know, it's called an ontological anchor because that's what it does. Um, it's a very beautiful looking game. I'm going to try to uh, bring it up on the screen over here and uh, you can see some screenshots. So it's uh, it, it looks to be made in this like a Nintendo type of uh, minimalist style. Yep, tile graphics. Uh, there's actually a uh, classic roguelike. Uh, ASCII graphics layer under that. Uh, you can turn off the tile graphics and look at everything as letters. Uh, if you're kind of like a Dwarf Fortress. Yep, yep. It, it actually has a number of things in common with Dwarf Fortress, though it's a little, it's a little kinder. Uh, so that's nice. Interesting. So does that mean you have to have <laughs> autism to play it, or? It's not necessary, but it's helpful. It does, not, it does not require the same autism level the Dwarf Fortress does. I remember just back when Dwarf Fortress was first a thing, like just people posting about it on V, and I was just like, how just like how autistic do you have to be to play that game? <laughs> it just like looks it's always just looked insane to me, even as, you know, um yeah. a channer and shit. Yeah, I think about a five out of ten autism is really necessary to to enjoy Dwarf Fortress. Like, you know, seven out of ten to like you know, really get into it. Yeah. And uh, has Dwarf Fortress, and I don't want to get too much in the weeds here, but uh, has it been overcome by the wokeness, or is it still holding out? Because I've heard, uh, you know, things about uh, what we're going to do a stream about with Noah's Hugbox uh, coming up uh, pretty soon. Noah Hugbox, sorry, coming up pretty soon. The uh, And I never forget the <laughs> name. I never, <laughs> I never remember the name of a Geo, but what is that uh, series, the one with the figures that you paint, that Jules will paint for you for $50 patronage? Oh, what did you call it? War 40K? What did you call it? War okay. War okay. Warhammer, Warhammer 40K, but you Warhammer 40k. 
You called it 40 War or something. Yes, exactly. But uh, oh. I don't know, Warhammer 40k, has it been uh, besmirched by wokeness right now, or is it still going strong? Because I just want to see, like, what are the games that have been able to withstand the uh, cultural conditioning? The games that have stayed based. Uh, yes, exactly. It really seems impossible that 40k is ever going to crumble. Um, I don't know. I, I haven't really kept track of uh, either Dwarf Fortress or uh, or 40k, but uh... well, hopefully your your game is not gonna crumble anytime soon. And uh, everybody go there and uh, play Chaos Prime's uh, beautiful beautiful looking uh, game, Caves of Kud. And next we have Textile Ranch, who has a wonderful podcast that I'm going to load up in a second over here, and uh, it is called um, over here. We got a da, 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 da. okay. Contain. Now, why is it called Contain? Uh, I wanted to pick the most nondescript word that essentially means nothing. It's, it's such a generalization that it becomes difficult to sort of, like, when you, when you start a creative project, you want to make sure that it has space to sort of expand and change trajectories. And if you, you, if you sort of delineate yourself too much from its name, and you define something, then it, it becomes very quickly captured. And so I wanted to just do something that was like so generically um, hard to place, especially when it, in its, its in its inception, that it just kind Bless of it, it. So I guess what I wanted to do was basically just do the most say the most generic thing I could possibly say, like, well, what does contain mean? It doesn't. It, it can mean many different things. It could mean absolutely nothing. So I guess in some ways it's 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 puts it a little bit hard to place. But um, yeah, I'm I'm sort of happy with it. I guess. <laughs> and you've had some pretty big guests on. You've had Ariel Pink. You've had Dasha Nikrasova, which is such a strange name when you think about it, because in Russian it means not beautiful. Like Nikrasiva. <laughs> oh, oh, so who would ever choose that as a surname? I don't know. I don't understand this. Alex Lee Moyer, Yang Ki, John T. T. Plady, Nina Power, uh, Jack the Perfume Nationalist, Johnny Negrin, hosted and produced by Barrett Avner. That is a uh, you good server here. Available on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, and Anchor. And over here it says contains excels because of its rare openness, experimentation, good vibes, and absence of cynical and defensive internet personas and LARPers, Jack the Perfume National. So there we go, Textile Ranch. Thank I you so much for coming the in. One with uh, it was the guy from Twink Revolt and uh, Beyond Woke and Problematic, the one about um being like a theory cell on the internet that was a great one the nina power one was really amazing i just finished that one oh, wow. highly recommend that Thank one yeah. and i i'm going to do um i don't know if i might have to subscribe because the ones behind the paywall are even more interesting it because of their esoteric titles so yeah so, guys so subscribe oh, yeah, and one also of them yeah. one of them was actually uh a guy who had done outsourced state department work um Basically, he was hired by the State Department, and he totally declassified a lot of this stuff to practice witchcraft in Bulgaria. Oh, <laughs> so, my God. Uh, wow. That was, and he's, a, he's an artist, yeah, and he actually um, goes through the entire process. And I've had uh, Vector Newman, who's the founder of New Life AI, and, he has, a, and he has a really interesting um, angle on things as well, especially if you're talking about 
non-rational agents. He's a part of that whole art world, sort of like NFT um, zone, which I think I think there's a lot of like new fruitful things. I've I've got criticisms and I have positives with it. I think it's but... just a fucking scam. No, I'm kidding. No, 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 totally. I mean, people I... ruined it for me. People ruined it for me. But go well, ahead, sorry. I'm, I'm, yeah. We'll yeah, talk yeah. about that a yeah, little yeah. bit. But no, that's interesting. If you could send me his some of his artwork, that'd be. Yeah, you know, just uh, going back real quick, you mentioning the the titles is what was grabbing you for his uh, Patreon episodes. I can't tell you how true it is. I've, I'm starting to experience with the titles mattering because uh, I had a, a Good Burger episode that I did for my pod. And, you know, we weren't on topic that much of the episode, but then I changed the titles to Dan Schneider, Hollywood's Pedophile Kingpin. And it's now the third most listened to episode. <laughs> oh, fuck. Yeah, you got you got to get them at the start. There's no reason but, for them to expect it's going to be good. They have to see the juicy title. That's how it works. Yeah, text, yeah. Sorry, I interrupted you, Textile. You were you were saying about um about the the crypto art world. Um. Well, I think uh, actually, um, Angelicism one he uh, he published a pretty interesting article called NFTs After Finitude, which is. It's kind of a vague reference to Quentin Melsu's, yeah. you know, book After Finitude. And uh, he he actually makes some pretty interesting points about NFTs and, and energy expense and, and, you know, how it how in the short term it sort of it, it there. It has all of this potential to, let's say, innovate beyond its limitations, because everyone knows Ethereum is is very wasteful to mine. I mean, it, it it's takes a lot of um, resources and energy to do that. And I'm not talking necessarily about like, you know, some, I'm not making like an ecological moral value judgment. I'm just saying like in Texas, you know, we went through a grid collapse that basically destroyed all sorts of, you know, all infrastructure was basically just completely shut down. So people are talking about ETH2 and and I think he actually makes some pretty interesting points, um, just in terms of Bitcoin as a as sort of like a as a vehicle of, in my opinion, and I think you can go back to Land's essay on on Bitcoin, which I think is really excellent. It sort of destroyed the the notion or the given of dialectics and reason as being the only system of intelligence on Earth. And because it's a self-limiting system with its own embedded truth procedure. So I think when it comes to evading capture, I think it's an, an incredibly important tool to utilize. Um, just because, as you see with you know, Wall Street bets and, and the based retards, you know, a guy from Robinhood, he can go down and he can just shut the, shut the whole thing down. But the way blockchain government Government. <laughs> what the fuck is going on here? That's pretty good. I always oh, make man. sure to highlight. Not, not let, please go one episode without the fucking Nala post. I didn't. I wasn't even thinking about Nala right please now. Go. Oh, by the Lev, way, though, don't post actually, without hold on, Nala for one speaking, episode challenge. Hold on, speaking, impossible. Speaking, speaking of Nala, and I do want to get to Adam uh, Lehrer. Is that how you pronounce your Whoa. surname? By the way, Lehrer. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it's I, close enough. 
So I, I want to get to Adam, but before I just want to say, not only should you become a part of uh, Textile Ranch's uh, beautiful uh, uh, Patreon, but you should also become a his member Instagram. of our Patreon. Well, you should all oh, yeah, his yeah, Instagram, but also our Patreon. I'm looking at his Instagram. Holy fuck, this is wild. Now, here, here's the thing. I just want to say real quickly, I'm not going to go through the whole rigmarole of the uh, prizes. Go to Patreon, find out what the great prizes are. But I do want to say one of the $20 patron woodcut uh, magnets that is going to be created will be an inflated lioness. So I didn't want to think about it, Gio. You made me think about it. So there we go. Whoever so wants please the inflated... donate $20. Please become a $20 patron. <laughs> For an inflated Nala lioness pin that Lev's father makes, and uh, yeah, there you exactly. Go. Never so thought Adam, this combination of words would ever yes. fly out of my mouth. <laughs> but well, well, I wanted I wanted to talk about actually what Textile was saying. But before mm. that, Adam well, Lair, yes. good friend of mine, please sir, introduce yourself. First time on the show, and what well, we have zero HP Lovecraft as well. But he's Indeed. also been, he's a regular almost. Hopefully he'll be a <laughs> And we have Ostaf as well, who we're going to introduce right after Adam. But Adam, go for it, my friend. Tell us about yourself, your Substack. Uh, yeah, so I am a writer and an artist. Uh, I used to be at Adam Lehrer on Twitter, but I just got taken down off the internet. R.I.P., brother. Thank you, thank you. Um, I am the co-host of the System of Systems podcast and currently the, uh, or at least newly, the curator or whatever, editorial director of the System of, uh, sorry, the Safety Propaganda Collaborative Substack, where I am looking to publish art criticism, poetry, philosophy, and shit like that from people Cause I'm like art world adjacent, basically. I was uh, more or less an aspirant artist for a long time until they, until I got canceled entirely last summer. So I still kind of have like inroads, but you know, I found that my friends on the internet, like Barrett here and Geo are just like a thousand times more insightful than the people who get published <laughs> in the uh, big magazines. So I wanted to create a space for that, but also using my sort of proximity to the to the bigger industry itself to try and inject some better ideas into it. Excellent. And uh, your podcast, it is on SoundCloud, correct? System of Systems on SoundCloud. And Patreon and Apple more recently. All right. I'm going to load up the Patreon link as well. But now let's go to Ustav Nadezhdu, which means hope. <laughs> I can't even read that I'm Ostav Nadezhdu. I'm a writer and a data scientist. I just recently uh, compiled a fiction anthology titled Gradient Descent, and we just did a print release of that actually on Friday. And so that's kind of what I've been working on lately. And then other than that, just mostly been studying and working towards establishing Zoomer supremacy over the future. And uh, I really enjoyed the uh, Medium article that you uh, did about the uh, teachers during uh, COVID and uh, the uh, they don't care about us article. Oh, yeah. So one thing I've been doing because I'm uh, still working through graduate school right now and uh, studying data science. And so one thing that I've been doing during that is tutoring 
a lot of these high school students. And it's been really obvious, like just from talking to all these kids, how many smart kids are getting left behind and abandoned by the school system, especially right now, and how much they're being totally dropped by their teachers. A lot of these people like don't even know how to use the online systems that they're setting kids up with and they have total distance from them. I had one student who had no lectures and no office hours and like no communication with the teacher at all, except through email. Wow. It was just a bunch of, you know, that's just really gets me angry that so many children are being cut off right at this point when they should be, you know, launched into a greater future. Well, this is why I was homeschooled from fifth grade. We decided that even in a good scenario like uh, the uh, Catholic school that I used to go to, you know, it still had a lot of problems. And my biggest hope is that there are going to be some more uh, entrepreneurial parents that can figure out ways to teach kids and at the same time give them more time, number one, to sleep. Because uh, I don't think kids sleep long enough with the hours of the uh, demanding school day but number two be able to have them otherwise like after this whole uh corona pandemic be able to meet up with kids their their own age and interact with them and play with them and uh you know outside preferably because the system we have right now you know it seems to be shitty when it comes to kids interacting with each other in this uh prison like cell of a classroom or now interacting on the zoom screen uh neither of which i think are good replacements for being able to see each other face to face and not in a very depressing environment like the school absolutely and actually um i wrote another post about this as well but the school system you know is constructed based off of the uh, Prussian model, right? And I'm sure a lot of you know about that. But specifically, um, in terms of mathematics, I was looking at the way that it was structured was built by William Hurd Kilpatrick, mostly. And he was a progressive educator. He was a scion of John Dewey. And they were really focused on constructing this education system in America through legislation and through pressure from teachers, unions, and things like that, to be less focused on some of the more uh, cognitive understanding and mental abilities that were focused on in say classical education and it was much more of rote memorization and preparing students to essentially become factory workers in you know the burgeoning industrialization of america at the time and so i think that's kind of continued forward into this more bureaucratic system that we have now where america is built so much on paperwork and white collar labor and it's just more the school system is built to turn children into functionaries and condition them to that kind of a life yeah. rather than to equip them with education, which is that's similar to about. that's similar to Jacques Ellul's to schooling. Have you, have you read right. Jacques? Yes. Yeah. 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 Well, it, it also seems uh, interesting that the same or, uh, kind Ivan of Illich. Uh, Didn't he write the yeah, book, Ivan uh, Illich. Yeah. yeah. This uh, the same kind of mentality seems to pervade a lot of journalism as well. Just the way that people speak. You can look up any phrase and just see it within this context of like all these specific MPC phrases that have to be used at a particular well, well, time now, to address a particular what's issue. What's that thing? The the text. Uh, ZHP, my man, you talk about this yeah. a lot. Uh, the program that's not available to the public, but it will be, and then we'll be totally fucked. Journalists will be well. Maybe journalists will be out of a job. That'll be good. Um, GP3, <laughs> GPT GPT three. Yes. There you go. That could. You could potentially gamify certain journalistic phrases, at least for mainstream like 
just factual based news articles that would basically uh destroy jur- mm. think maybe yeah. that's a good thing it'll destroy journalism just, and- uh, well but then journalism we'd have like a thousand already destroy itself well, <laughs> yeah, already all the journalists with any integrity have left their publications anyways and just gone yeah. to like, I mean, once Lee Fang leaves The Intercept, which I assume is going to happen sooner than later, there'll be no journalists, like actual journalists, journalists working in mainstream media. Well, when you say Lee Fang, that reminds me of the dragon tooth sword from uh, Deus Ex. So for those who don't <laughs> know, I... Uh, it's Deus What? What the fuck ever? I don't. I don't care. Anyway, I started playing it two days ago, nonstop. This is why I was unavailable for the. Uh, uh, but this. This is something that I do for you for the stream because I need to know about Deus X CX in order to uh, talk about uh, cyberpunk because I think that is a great example of a cyberpunk genre and I want to get into that more but first actually to go with uh, zero HP how would you describe cyberpunk cyberpunk is here it's what we're living in now and it is much less exciting than any of the novels or the games that are made about it portray it it is mostly drudgery and modernity and everyone talking on a zoom call as we are now uh it's it's not exciting actually at all at least in the real like in the cyberpunk fiction you have these cool feudal corporations with like people with samurai swords and uh i don't have a samurai sword do you (laughs) no only in deus ex and uh, it was a we cool don't have samurai sword. Sword. Uh, headports yet, so all the all the predictions of the cyberpunk authors came true more or less. Some of the more exotic ones haven't, though pretty close. One idea you see in uh, Neuromancer is that people rent their bodies out as timeshares to whoever wants to yeah. use them with programs that turn them into meat puppets. Now we aren't there, but OnlyFans is pretty close. Let yeah. me tell you. So, in other words, the relationship that the simps have with the OnlyFans people is such that the sims are able to collectively control uh, this this OnlyFans, or is the OnlyFans person able to control the simps and kind of guide them into uh, doing the things that the OnlyFans wants, or is it a bit of both? Well, I was promised we would talk about cybernetics on this episode, so certainly it is both. But if you've ever seen, there was a really poignant thread a few months back about a woman who was an OnlyFans worker and she described how she felt that her body wasn't her own. She was alienated from every every part of her body which had been fetishized and uh, commanded by these men, whether, you know, uh, every every single square inch of her, she said, she felt like it belonged to these anonymous online coomers. Wow, that's pretty intense. And the Textile Ranch, what do you think? Would you want to have an OnlyFans? I mean, you've got beautiful blonde hair, you know. It's, uh... <laughs> uh, oh. I, I know. Uh, and and bringing up, um, bringing up, uh, you know, sort of like, I guess, I guess you would call this quasi-seminal uh, cyberpunk science fiction is Transmaniacon by by John Shirley, where the body is not its own, but you can have this intense transference of anger and energy that can basically turn streets into full-scale wars. And and I actually sort of think that mundanely reanimates itself in this in the cyberspace of social media with Twitter and all this sort of like transferring of I guess you would say deficit energies 
that are that we're, it's like people are, are having a very difficult time reconciling with the fact that the the notion of a negative feedback loop in society is is gone. It's it's finished. It's over. And so when we talk about science fiction as it's existing right now, I think it is playing out um, before our own eyes. And real and quick, a, a, yeah. a real quick five U.S. dollars Reagan Lodge uh, walks in pelvis first. Where all the Shawgoth ladies at? <laughs> I believe they're in the plane of Ling. Yeah, <laughs> but you know what? They? You know what? I was thinking of um, when you were saying textile about the uh, I can't believe you forgot it. The the crypto art GP TV, NFTs. NFTs, NFTs sorry. yeah, correct. Yeah, you were saying about how it's not the only form of intelligence, and you said this comment uh, recently on Twitter and a reply about um, the the GameStop situation where it's interacting with AI interfaces that aren't exactly intelligent, but rather a way of like getting out of the system and, and decoding it. It, re it it's almost in a strange way you could say a reverse, and I don't know, maybe Nick Land will have like qualms with this but it's like a reversal of um the sort of like kantian rationality of like reason has to posit a greater sort of complexity of itself yeah to in order to motivate now now that reason itself let's say reason that's manifested upon things like um ai programming and so forth and the algorithm yes, yes. but now that that isn't necessarily quote-unquote intelligent it doesn't have a basis within a particular rationality but rather um well a, a programming to do certain ends does that not disrupt like our notion of uh like well, reason itself or what well like well it it all depends on your conception of reason and i think i have a if, if you guys check out i don't start a lot of twitter beef but the but the few people who i always go after are the neo are the neo rationalists because they have they have uh, because what they is neo-rationalism do not dumb it down for me i'll fucking kill you know i mean it's it's basically Oh, what, what were you going to say, Zero? Yeah. No, I was going to say that if, if you haven't. Don't dumb it down for us. We'll okay, don't, don't dumb it down. <laughs> uh, it's. Uh, I would say it's an evolution of... I would say, if I were to be honest, I would say it's sort of a ham-fisted suturing of the analytic philosophy tradition of people like Carnap and philosophy and science like Robert Brandom and Wilfred Sellers, who, in my opinion, is just total nonsense, oh, uh, as with yeah. the kind of um, post-Delusian, uh, I guess you would say, school of speculative realism, which is a kind of post-Kantian uh, form of theory in, in many ways that was also uh, refuted and destroyed by um, Catherine Malibu, who I think is really amazing. So, so basically, what you have is you have this middle ground of people, and they're not like they're not rigorous to rigorous enough to be true lapdogs for the hard sciences, but they're not like quirky and kooky enough to be like Nick Land and take things to their totally anti because they're still shot. They're still working within the framework of reason as central and contingent within the human. So, so it's, it's still working within the contingency of local human intelligence. And basically what Land has said in his, in his, uh, in his crypto post, it was a blog post, but it was, you, could, you could almost read it like a short book, is that essentially the trans, transcendental intelligence no longer is, is central and 
to the agent. It's no mm. longer, it's mm -hmm. basically taken mm -hmm. itself because the thing about blockchain governance is that it has its own system of truth procedure that has nothing to do with dialectics. Dialectics is rooted within human reason. I mean, everyone from Hegel talks about intelligence being something that is only imbued through, through sociality, through, right. through, through a sort of like collective uh, mirroring or reframing of uh, society. But well, even there up to are Heidegger other, that, but, but yeah, yeah say, well, well, Heidegger would differ because Heidegger is very much into, same with Bernard Stiegler when he talks about individuation. Like when you're, when you're, when, with Heidegger and Stiegler, and to an extent Derrida with language, you're existing in a world that is already made for you. Right. Like neo, the problem with neo-rationalism is it's so concerned about what one must do, but it has zero qualification or interest in what happens to one. What, what one is exposed to that is already transcendental within the world. So and, in other words, they're, they're too like rationalistic or nerdish to fully embrace like the Mila So like critique of correlation. Like they're still fundamentally. Yes. So it's like they play around with object oriented ontology and, and like speculative realism, but they don't, well, they're, they're, they're so almost, Kantian in some ways, right? Like, they, so well, they, well, they're more Hegelian. And this is the issue okay. that I, this is the biggest thing that I, that I take away is that they, they still consider because a lot of it comes with the, the picture of flow time, because they're very into Ludwig Boltzmann. And Ludwig Boltzmann came up, you know, Boltzmann's brain theory, which is basically that flow time is something that we experience linearly. You know, like we experience days, days turns into weeks, weeks turns into years, and so on and so forth. But what they're basically positing or saying is that, no, we have no way of quantifying flow time, which is true. We do not, but other forms of intelligence that lack sapience cannot tell the difference. They don't give a fuck whether time is flow time, if it goes backwards. The, the blockchain does not care. It's embedded logic in truth procedure in rooting out things like um, fraud, in doing things like solving complex equations in order to mine. They do not care about this dialectic notion or interest in time like time is irrelevant to these things so how can you so this is my biggest issue and i actually went on a huge thing i went on peter wolfendale and resina garistani's uh twitter line and i just kind of trashed them i was like so you so 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 your entire um theory is based on boltzmann's theory of that we cannot qualify so which picture of time can you actually make a case for? I got no response. And then I said, well, look, um, if you can't give me a response, then I will tell you this also, and this is what Land actually said in his disintegration essay, is basically, if you cannot qualify the, the, the linearity of time, and you can't give an alternate to that, that doesn't even matter anyway, because, because anti-human intelligence exists in this world right now. It exists as we speak. And so when I think of cyberpunk, I don't think of like cyberpunk aesthetically. I think of like the Wall Street bets bros who are using non-sapient forms of intelligence to leveraging that to their advantage. They're actually taking the Promethean angle with intelligence that's not located in the human, which is essentially Lovecraftian. It has no none of the aesthetic uh, sensibilities at all with cyberpunk. But I almost see the GameStop bros, and that was something that I tweeted out, as a form of, like, finance punk is cyberpunk. That's Holy basically... Shit. 
I want to get Some a bit deeper into this. Some of us are still Marxists, you know. <laughs> I, I want to get a little bit deeper into this as far as what Sapien means. But first, a very special five dollar, five Canadian dollar donation from Peter Faust. Zero HP. Will you nya for the fans? This is a beautiful thing, a moment of transcendence, a feline delight. It's a Satori moment for anime people. <laughs> so for that. How much is five dollars Canadian? I think. That might be. <laughs> Shut up, boy! Five dollars Canadian is about like people, a nickel. Whenever I sell art, I always charge people American because I'm. <laughs> that's my life hack right there. In any case, I hate to disappoint uh, Mr. Uh, Peter House, but he will have to take it to my OnlyFans. <laughs> <laughs> Oh no! no. But, but that was a great way textile. You weaved that into the cyberpunk thing mm. theme because. But, but what I, the impersonal but, forces of technology, like I know it's a meme, and we've all seen, you know, like you said in your podcast, you've seen the Matrix when we were twelve years old. So it's like the first immediate thing. But a deeper critique would be what happens when basically rationality is decoupled from like the human subject. Exactly. Right. So, and even like you mentioned, like I mentioned, well, you, you elaborated with Heidegger and Stiegler. I mean, th this is like basically the Agamben critique of Heidegger in the open, like, Oh, exactly. he doesn't include right. yeah. animals and other things. Mm -hmm. Well, what about Heidegger, like Heidegger 2.0 in like the world of AI and like these impersonal forces, but what happens when that AI, like we're seeing with the bandwave, right? What happens when there isn't sort of a... An alternative. An alternative, but also like a rationality that isn't designed to um, posit any sort of human flourishing or so forth. Okay. Or even just the flourishing... And, 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 well, and, real quick, hold on, real quick. Uh, before, before the answer to that, I also want to let everybody know, we are at 2,994 subscribers. We oh, have six subscribers left till we get 3, 3K. Let's so, fucking uh, go! Exactly. So <laughs> anyway, on, I, know, I know I got some motherfuckers from my Discord server watching right now. Okay. Just hit the fucking subscribe button. I got and also some subscribe watching. <laughs> hit the subscribe Subs button. Subscribe for for, for Adam's uh, Adam's girlfriend. I don't know who that wife. was in the background. My wife. wife. That's my wife. <laughs> Excellent. So subscribe for the fact of Adam's wife was here on the screen. I really appreciate that. Thank you so much, Adam's <laughs> wife. And uh, also, I have a question for Textile. What is sapient? Just so I understand the discussion a little I bit mean, more. I mean, the the way that it's it's well, obviously you know language has. I don't want to sound too postmodern here, but obviously <laughs> I think I think what most people think oh, of when ahead. they think of sapience is wisdom and what is wisdom it's something that's located within the human it's it's local and contingent to the agent but what happens if agents are non-rational and this is actually goes back to what what geo was saying about heidegger 2.0 and and stiegler and agamben is that i think and this is another thing that people brought up because one thing Stiegler talks about, he's like, the reason why I'm not a dialectician anymore, why I don't like dialectics, is it it doesn't take entropy into account of anything. Mm. He's like, I'm not a Marxist anymore. I don't fucking care about any of that bullshit because what I'm getting is a Nick Nick Land meltdown vibe from that. Yeah. Oh. Exactly. Yeah, totally. <laughs> and and so I think I think the uh, uh, I think the problem with the with a lot of these sort of like neo-Egalian people is that they tend to elide the the notion of intelligence with sociality and and then trying to paint a picture of time through that experience 
but in a sort of Kantian, in almost like a Kantian way, something that we cannot fully grasp or know. Mm-hmm. And, and so it's, it's this kind of muddled complexity. And this is one of the things why I think, game, well, well, to get back to your point, like when you talk about Twitter bans, right? Part of the reason why blockchain expanded recently, why the, it went up, is because they saw the dickheads at Robinhood were like, all right, yeah, we don't like the rules of this game because we're humans who have agency over these algorithmic technologies. We'll just change the rules so that people don't win. People already yeah. started to win. And when they started to win, you saw the Bitcoin market take off immediately after they had shut that shit down. But, now but, you notice, have, but notice the I, rationality. I think you may be giving them too much credit, though. The, the average Wall Street Bits investor, especially the one that lost, that came to Robin Hood late in the game. I mean, they, uh, look, they just like the stock, man. They, oh, totally. <laughs> yeah, they're like, not interested in philosophy. They ate McDonald's. <laughs> they're thinking to themselves, yeah. oh, the blockchain is going to be like something they can't cheat or fuck with. Honestly, they can. All they have to do is, is the same people who control the exchanges control the uh, the, the brokers. They control like, uh, you know, things especially like in regards to there. Ethereum. Sorry, especially in regards to yeah, Ethereum. No, no, I, I, I do agree there. But notice the rationality, though. I don't mean to shill, but I came out with no. a video on it uh, <laughs> at the time of my YouTube, a Giner Productions, Giner Productions, youtube.com slash Giner Productions. Um, Patreon forthcoming. Yeah, I, was show- I came out with a video. It was coupled with like the Wall Street thing, but also with the Ricky Vaughn uh, legal situation. I think I think you were on the air at the time. I mentioned the first time ZHP. Um, look, notice the logic is totally driven not by the usual um like the greed that motivates you know global capital like this is the best stock it's motivated by millennial nostalgia uh reddit hive mind and a combination of the two but also the aesthetic dimension of nostalgia now being commodified itself because yeah. now it's like this you know one of my favorite vaporwave images was the little girl in front of the nine nine um 9-11 in front of the twin towers that said you know <laughs> i was born in a world that doesn't exist anymore and as an older millennial i was born into a world that pretty much doesn't exist anymore so it's like that sort of uh i remember when my friends were around and we played video games and we went to fucking GameStop, and yeah. that is the logic that drives the meme market literally meme market and so maybe they that is they won't be able to do that again though like yeah, GameStop well... was a one-off we found out if they had battle toads they didn't and there's there's not going to be any more battle toads, Geo. Mm. <laughs> oh, no it, it would be pretty funny though. By the way, it would be pretty funny <laughs> if somebody erected. <laughs> if it, it would be funny if somebody erected a uh, defiant little girl statue in front of the 9/11 memorial, like the one with those uh, square <laughs> things. <laughs> that would say so much. I should actually paint. That's a good painting idea for me. Um, mm-hmm. But 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 I wanted to get. Um, Hopeful Abandon and uh, uh, Chaos Prime, uh, you also, you, you know, which is video games, but um, you are a part of like the group of uh, the the sort of, you, you have a very good aesthetic sensibility as well. Okay. And, uh, and and you're almost like, a, who is the the author? Um, I have his book actually right here. He did a bunch of like the weird internet-based poetry, uh, Sitter Creep, Sitter L Creep, um, uh, oh, control creep. Yeah. Control creep. Yeah. yeah. You, in my mind, at least, you you guys uh, you get a similar vibe there. But people are always uh, deciding that we're the same person. Actually, yeah, it's interesting. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, but 
it's to me i let's let's bring it back i guess to the central question of of what comes to mind when people think of cyberpunk and, and sort of the reality that we're also living, but also the aesthetic dimension of it, what really makes it like, if you want to talk about video games or art or, or well, cinema, I feel is like really the, the place of cyberpunk, but what, what is it that makes this such a romantic thing out of all of the sort of sci-fi fantasy genres? Why is cyberpunk something that is so captivating to us? I think a lot of it is uh, having everything that we are accustomed to emotionally valuing stripped away from us and like being some sort of like, I don't know, almost like bare metal skeleton of badassness in that condition. Like, you know, like case and neuromancer is like, you're basically a junkie, like, you know, living like a, like a hobo more or less. And, uh, but like, you know, he's completely alienated from everything and everyone. Um, but, you know, because of his, you know, particular, you know, his, his happenstance and his, his skills, he's able to participate in this, like, you know, amazing adventure into space and whatnot, though, you know, we would never use those words in cyberpunk because, you know, we're too cool for that, but, you know, but that's what happens. Um, and, you know, you have your, your street samurai and so on who are like, you know, they're, street toughs who like are living horrible lives you know they're they're just like fighting and dying for basically fucking nothing um but like it's still cool to have you know fucking razors replacing your your you know fingernails even though like you know you're probably like fucking on immunosuppressants so that your body doesn't like you know start going gangrenous around the razors in your fingernails and and so on yeah yeah and there is a resurrection good. of uh, more, let's say, primitive cultures within this technologically advanced uh, society. I don't know. Would you say that something like, uh, I don't know, uh, idiocracy, would that be considered cyberpunk or no? I wouldn't consider that cyberpunk. I would consider yeah. that just dystopian. Well, I'm going to take up the contrary position. Yes. This idiocracy is absolutely cyberpunk. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to wait on that one, too. So James, why do you disagree? It seems, it seems way too retarded to be cyberpunk for me personally. Uh, <laughs> no, but it's technology that made us uh, that way. So. But like at that same time, are you gonna call Wally cyberpunk? <laughs> I knew you were yeah. gonna say Wally. Yeah, yeah. Wally, Wally is one hundred percent cyberpunk. I, I, I don't know. I, cyberpunk, even. I, I would consider <laughs> Wally and Idiocracy more of their own, I guess, type of cyberpunk in a way but not like oh, i don't know not what i think of true cyberpunk when i think of cyberpunk well they, they, that's they like lack the, retard they, cyberpunk yeah they kind of lack the heroic element yeah, um, yeah. well imagine like a jc denton but like really r really fat and uh <laughs> you're looking at him boy <laughs> <laughs> no i mean which means then they're basically like anti-hero cyberpunk like the original meaning of anti-hero where it's like an unheroic person as opposed to like you know like a villain that we like, which is what's coming in. But well, yeah, people like there's, do there's, there's no, huh? Well, people do hang on to traditions, at least in uh, Deus Ex. See, I said it right this time. Deus Ex. Uh, it's Deus Ex. Deus as, in, as in the phrase Deus Ex Machina. Yeah. Yes. So, or you can you... just call it gay sex. <laughs> no, 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 no,
And, you know, they still had the chickens hanging up and uh, the meat that you could just, like, slap around with your crowbar. <laughs> and uh, they also had a monastery there with a very angry monk that didn't <clears throat> want to have anything to do with you. But uh, anyway, when it comes to this kind of society, they st they still seek out certain things from the past, from uh, cultures gone by. You can't completely, you know, dismantle that. And same thing in Blade Runner, the very f first opening scene. He was at a ramen place, and ramen's been a staple of Japanese cuisine for a very long time. So it seems like there's no way I can imagine people stripping away a lot of these things that make us human and things that we really come back for, regardless of what, uh, you know, whether we're financially prosperous or not. Everybody subscribe. I still have to check if we're at 3,000. <laughs> That's what I do for the gap time. But anyway, what about uh, what about Adam? Do you agree with the definitions that's been brought about about what cyberpunk is? Does it mean anything else to you? And uh, do you agree with uh, Zero HP that we are living in a very shitty cyberpunk, more of a cyber prison punk, if you will? Oh, yeah, we're definitely living in cyberpunk right now. To me, there's a few specific examples of how I can use to like illustrate what cyberpunk means to me. Um, vaping is <laughs> cyberpunk. That's true. Professor Carl Hart at Columbia, this like groovy <laughs> heroin advocate, is cyberpunk. It's everything with an element of danger or the potential for self-expression in service to a sort of shadow enterprise that interlocks and controls everything. A lot of people will say like Philip K. Dick is like the biggest influence on cyberpunk. That's probably true to an extent, but I think Burroughs is to me the first like definitionally cyberpunk author. McLuhan said about Burroughs in Notes on Burroughs that heroin allowed William S. Burroughs to transcend his environment. But the exact opposite was true. And Burroughs actually said that on numerous occasions. Burroughs said that, because he was like, Burroughs was like naturally a mystic, like his natural state of being was transcendent. So he needed smack to stay rooted in the environment, to really kind of embed himself in the control systems of material reality. But Addiction is such a powerful drive that it basically replaces all other drives. And, you know, there's the whole Spinoza, alien occupying forces. Addiction just kind of replaces. And I just wrote about this for a book that I'm doing, so it's kind of fresh. So, like, we're all, like, alien occupying forces are external uh, desires that end up driving our behavior. And I see like the history of modernism through postmodernism to what we have is like Sigmund Bauman said liquid modernity or what, you know, or cyberpunk, I think we could call it. Modernism is basically this tension in between authentic expressions of desire coming up against these external alien occupying forces. Postmodernism is you start to the, the personal subjective mind starts to lose that battle. And in cyberpunk, we've lost. I mean, I don't think it's incredibly hard to have any, I mean, it's incredibly hard to even know whether any of your desires or drives are 
are real or artificially imposed from outside of you. Everything, whether it's art, whether it's communication, everything is in service to some sort of controlling force that we have little or nothing to do with. That to me is what cyberpunk is. The aesthetic of cyberpunk, the aesthetic of Blade Runner and William Gibson was just an aestheticization of this very dreary social and political economic reality that the world is beyond our grasp, that we're just living in it, but we really have no control over our lives anymore. Cyberpunk is to me just like a lack of control, a lack of focus, a lack of a lack of subjectivity or whatever. But when have we not had, let's say, the theoretically, maybe other people's thoughts, other ideas imposed upon us? Like when have we yeah. really been completely independent of that? I mean, I, but haven't. I agree with you. We haven't, but I do agree with you about the control as far as if you choose to be a part of a particular tribe, a particular group of people uh, that uh, look out for each other, uh, they would be able to resist some larger corporate entity or some governmental force like China or whatever imposing certain things on them because they can value the company that they have with each other as a family. And that is something right. that's, uh, that's important. It kind of goes to their whole ramen thing that I mentioned, you know, why people keep these traditions alive. But uh, I do see a bit of that cyberpunkness within a lot of Twitter profiles as well. Like I talked about this to no end on previous shows, but looking especially at Zoomer accounts where everybody's got the hashtag and everybody's got the, you know, hashtag BLM, the pronoun, everything is already systematized in their profile as far as defining who they are. And in a way I see it as kind of stunting one's growth because you're already being defined you're already being branded with this thing this role that you are now occupying and uh what room does that really give you to grow beyond that lev i think you stole that take from one of my twitter threads about how <laughs> about all these pronouns and stuff it's already commodifying the uh the it's already barcoding the subject and being ready for like no okay, okay. I, I didn't i did not steal it i did not see that thread but what i did do is i had a dream a year ago where there were these antifa people who had these baseball caps on and their race was written on uh, the front of their cap so i think this is something that goes true, on like Lev, that's coming yeah. true but if I could interject here for a moment, sure. I'd like to point out the irony of saying that cyberpunk is a lack of control. The etymology of cyberpunk from cybernetic, it means to steer. And what cybernetics actually is entirely about is control. Uh, yeah, but not our control. You know, right. Well, sure. Control but, uh, but like, to, to qualify as a lack of control is a very interesting thing. Uh, when in fact it's it's really it's all about control. It's funny you, you yeah. talk about the the locus of control as being external. Uh, Chaos actually had a great tweet today that the existence of pheromones of the people around you constitutes your exocrine system, and I thought that was a really uh, insightful coinage. Thanks. Because really, you are very controlled uh, by like you can you can subtract all the technology and all the electronics. What's a village? What's a longhouse? Isn't that also a system of control that's external to you? If you read like in the Bronze Age pervert, you can imagine your little village of 25 people or something like that. They arguably control you much more than a big corporation that's far away that just wants you to like not say 
the magic mm. words. And maybe what's the difference there is that when we have externally imposed drives, externally imposed you know, rational imperatives uh, that we're adapted to biologically, then maybe we call that a desire and we say that that's you know, basically good. And when we have these things that are novel to the human system that we're not adapted to biologically that you know, excruciate our system the way Nick Land talks about, um, maybe we call those addictions and we, and we say they're bad. Yeah, and in another thing, I, I, I t oh, sorry about that. Oh, oh, um, go oh, on. Yeah, yeah, and another thing I think about too is that um, one of the issues with a lot of twentieth-century theories on, um, and just just in general, I think one of the big problems is too many of these theories, whether they be economic or philosophical, they're still rooted in this anthropocentric view of pure intelligence being located solely in you know in a in a person in a being even and, in and, a brain yeah in a brain when, you can when, when, which is i think one of the issues i i have with marxism is it's too anthropocentric and i think it's too anthropocentric to to be to exist as something when you can say well the motivating force of history is you know quote unquote the proletariat or the masses or the working class i don't know in this per in this particular time you cannot you i just do not think you can make that sort of claim that the proletariat as they exist as they were in industrialization could possibly be the main subject of history of historicity at this time so i think that i i one thing i agree more with with uh simon dunn gilbert simon and his cyberneticist of the 60s and 70s is that is that um, technology is primarily an epistemological question. It's not an economic one. It starts epistemologically. And that's how we sort of go into um, Heidegger when he talks about being captured by it. It's, it's all about control. It's, it is a control of society. I, I think eight, zero HP Lovecraft is 100% correct about that. But it's the kind of control, and it's also the forces of rational agents that are seeking to control systems of already embedded control. And I think that that I think that there's there's multiple layers and uh, uh, of people. And I actually like what you said, uh, Geo, about uh, temporality. How you know, being an older millennial, I played Oregon Trail. So I was I was born into one world and I was given a different world. This is why millennials yeah. are so retarded, by and large, yes. except for yes. all of us who played Oregon Trail. We've been in we've been in three worlds now. Yeah, I mean, we're we were yeah. born into one, and then nine eleven, and then now this. So yeah. that's that's three different the universes the, the, or, you, the Oregon the Oregon Trail. By the way, when you said Oregon Trail. I imagine like uh, squ swashbucklers with their swords just killing everything in their path as they're going to Oregon and just leave living leaving a bunch of organs on the ground, yeah. you know, to mark the Full trail. Full cholera and uh, human, you know, Donner Party cannibalism. It's like, well, that's another thing. Is like when I was a kid, I was like playing a child's game where people ate each other and died of diarrhea. They weren't given like you know told you if you're a boy or a girl blah 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 trans subjectivity all and there there is a sky God. stuff like there is a there is a historical component to it as well you know for the record there, there is a zombie apocalypse pastiche of oregon trail called oregon trail 
Oh, nice. Wow. Thank you so much. <laughs> there you go. And by the way, guys, there, there we have passed this... we have passed 300 3000 subscribers on YouTube. Woo! We Woo! have Thank Let's you so much. Go! We have reached another milestone <laughs> and we will keep going regardless of any of this fucking censorship and this HR uh mentality. We are going to go through this and we're going to come back the other side better and I want to empower everybody here. Go into the description of this video by the way and please follow everybody who is tagged in the description of this video who are with us right now. It's very important that you follow all these wonderful people, subscribe to them and uh subscribe to their Patreon, their Substacks and just keep this thing growing and we really appreciate it. So uh anyway, uh, I think it was uh, Adam you were uh no? Was wait, I wait. Was it yeah, I, I think. Oh, oh, yeah, zero ah. HP. Or Adam. Or Adam Whoever wants yeah. to go. What I, I just wanted to clarify before. When I said absence of control, I didn't mean control systems. I meant absence of subjective, like, personal control of subjective human beings over their lives. Obviously, after, you know, talking about Burroughs and all that i'm i'm aware that we're living in a control society so i just wanted to sound like not an idiot really quick <laughs> well i i have a I, I have a question i have a question for uh, textile so when you were talking about the specific uh, rationalists what brought to mind was the group called rationalists like people like uh i i know geo i call it star slater codex you, you know me <laughs> uh, but it's uh, yeah. scott alexander yeah. and uh but <laughs> these are people who here's the thing i really 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 want to bring people from that side onto btr to actually have a nuanced discussion about you know what the disagreements are here so i would love for you to come back on the stream and everybody here to come back on the stream when I will be able to bring them in. But in general, uh, what do you think of the rationalists in the Scott okay. Alexander sense? Well, I was, I was more speaking about the sort of like new urbanomic neo-rationalism school. I think Amy Ireland, she had a really, she actually called it neo-rationalist propaganda when they were saying, uh, <laughs> Uh, on this on this entire thread with Pete Wolfendel and Re Reza Nagaristani. Uh, what I think about people like Scott Alexander is I think this new form of libertarian uh, sort of apolitical rationalism that believes in things like, oh, you know, China is highly capitalistic, therefore China is good. They're not impeded by the same standards of uh, political correctness. Wait, wait they that said that are, about blah, blah, blah. China? I mean, yeah, I gotta take a look. Essentially, I, I would say, well, I mean, Spandrew, if you look at... Oh, by the way, Spandrew got banned, but fuck. Uh, Spandrew got banned? But he, but he blocked but, me, so fuck you, Spandrew. I, I mean, I, I honestly, I honestly didn't notice... I'd love to have him on the well, show. I when, didn't... I, when I think of... Well, just to get back, when I think of Slate <laughs> Star Codex and people like that is they're anti-metaphysicists. They no longer yes, believe... Yes, and yes. I think that mm -hmm. when you want to claim that metaphysics doesn't have any re it has no root in material ontology none it's not biological you don't have shamans going out there and practicing these things to fracture the mundanity to create new you know uh epigenic experiences for people that actually human beings as people as as we can synthesize layers of reality we actually the more we're exposed to the more we need these kind of like mystical magical just events let's say they're not by some sky god 
we still fucking need them and people still embrace them. And so the problem with Thank these you. neo these these rationals, I'm talking not talking about Reza because he's smart enough to know this shit. Like these people are fucking retards. Like I'm sorry. <laughs> like I, I I just hate to say it. Like dude, no, but the, want, I don't want to throw. Want, I, I think Scotty brought on himself to to be honest because he uh, thought he could sort of escape the clutches of. No, listen, I don't agree with what happened to him, but he I thought he too. could escape the clutches of the Cthulhu. That always swims swims leftward. But you are right. I mean, for example, and Adam, you know this as well. I don't want to give. I don't want to be um, that. I was being too critical. Oh, I don't want to be that harsh. I'm just no, no. Sorry. You have an important point that you're making. No, but about I don't want to. Like, I don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater though, because if we're talking about a critique like Scott Alexander had the critique of a uh, neo reactionary uh, thought, what I would like yeah. to do, which is also, like, which yeah. ZHP, you know, also if. We'll get into that. Maybe yeah, we'll yeah. Into that. no, no, but real, real quick. Because I want to hear ZHP's hot take on that. Argument. When it, when it comes to when it comes to this kind of conversation, I could say, you know what? Let's not throw the baby out with the fucking bathwater. If we're talking about critiquing reactionary thought, absolutely. Like I would love for people to come on BTR and critique the fuck out of reactionary thought and do it in a nuanced fucking way instead of these normie takes that uh, people are exposed to, which is very bottom of the barrel stuff. As far as metaphysics, I completely agree with you. I mean, as far as somebody who has done a lot of meditation and still, like, starts to unlock different uh, levels in the mindscape, what exactly is going on there, I think there is definitely a lot more to this reality than meets the eye. But be that as it may, I still would love nothing more than to get rid of any possible echo chamber that may form in reactionary thought because if nobody's around to challenge uh, people who think a certain way then everybody ends up stagnating so that is just my own personal uh, view well, on if it. only you could tell the twitter jannies that um <laughs> well but... in the spirit of that i so i'd like to actually circle back to something you were talking about lev um with regards to like the blm hashtags and all these zoomer profiles of people basically categorizing yeah. themselves and putting them into yeah. boxes like this right and i think that that's um a little bit of an oversimplification of what's going on so i don't read philosophers i read data research papers but so that kind of informs my view of this situation but to my mind the world is becoming more and more quantified right we're collecting data on so many more things and we're piping those into algorithms which are building these essentially these are a human systems of control which are becoming more and more dominant and more and more uh, powerful over people and thanks to things like advanced computer technologies these systems are able to detach from human beings specifically and this is kind of this accelerating techno capital loop that land was talking about and meltdown and stuff like that and so everything that isn't quantified will become quantified as this system uh, tries to increase its power. And so it's kind of impossible to avoid being put in a box in some way, right? right. And so the way that you fight back against uh, quantization like that is not by trying to dodge the categories because then you just put yourself into an unknown category and you're yeah. still part of this legible group. What you do is you make the categories worthless. You brigade them, you troll them, you know? And so people who are putting BLM in their bios, I'm not saying this is a conscious thing, but it's not a explicit um, surrender to the system. It's more of a way of coding yourself, acting under a shibboleth so that this uh, 
you know, this social categorization machine doesn't pick you out as, you know, the rusty wheel or whatever and knock you back down. And I think that similar thing is also happening with regards to LGBT identities. You know, so many uh, Zoomer kids are identifying as queer, as bisexual, but as these very like light flavors that don't necessarily impact their day-to-day lives. And I think that's more becoming a way of just coding yourself to be unobtrusive and to continue existing sort of the uh, security of anonymity, not the security of privacy. Yeah, I don't know if you guys... Yeah, go ahead, Adam, go ahead. I don't know if any of you guys follow uh, Mark Jacobs, the designer on social media, but... I've heard of him. Yeah. yeah. Uh, So he was like the creative director of Louis Vuitton in the 90s, just like biggest fucking fashion designer in America for a very long time. Yeah. And Mark Jacobs, uh, he was kind of cool back in the day. He was kind of like the Bretty Stanellis of of fashion, kind of like a normie conservative, like bourgeois prick, you know? But like cool. Kind of like, like Vincent it. Gallo in film. Yeah, well, they're yeah. very similar, except for like Mark mm. Jacobs is gay mm. and does her- did heroin and shit. But <laughs> Mark Jacobs is after he left, uh, I was just talking about this with uh my friend, the artist Matthew Maloof. Oh, he's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's uh one of my good friends, and we were talking about Mark Jacobs' Instagram presence these days, because it's truly fucking ridiculous. So Mark Jacobs used to be this like pretty masculine, kind of like cool, conservative gay guy with tattoos, and and he was like his whole thing was being like a badass. But after he left Louis Vuitton, his personal brand started collapsing, like like profit margins just started plummeting and he started closing stores everywhere. So over these last two years, he's totally rebranded. Like from what I've heard, he actually had like HR strategists come in for a meeting and tell him how to rebrand his gayness. And they're like, (laughs) look, like, they're like, look, like you're, you're sort of like nineties gen X, uh, manly kind of gayness it doesn't sell anymore you gotta you gotta you gotta twist this shit somehow now he's on instagram basically as like a drag queen Uh, and he and he's not transgender at all so there's nothing like authentic about it but he's he's just trying to rebrand himself for the market at this very point in time and he gets a shitload of likes and his brand is coming back but anyone with just like any sort of respect for authenticity uh, or subjectivity, you look at Carl, this shit and you're like, Carl, this is repulsive. Yeah. Carl well, Lagerfeld is is frowning. In, in exactly. Right now. Yeah. Well, and, and you could also compare him to somebody like Tom Ford, for instance, who I think is still so able normie. to retain. Uh, well, his movies, though, I really like. I really like Nocturnal Animals. I don't oh, know if you okay. saw that one. Yeah. And... Uh, I, I really want to see the other movie that he made before. But anyway, like Tom Ford is somebody who I think he's very old school. And I think he does see a lot of the pretentiousness within the fashion industry. And he portrayed that in Nocturnal Animals, where he had the very beginning of the movie, these severely obese women dancing around with sparklers completely naked. And then that yeah. was that was uh, shown as a screen and they were just lying down like... there naked, and I think they were dead. I think they just like had dead, obese women <laughs> lying down in the exhibition, and that was supposed to be art. Well, so I think this is someone like... who recognizes this is bullshit. I feel like... <sighs> Damn, I wish Jules was in here, because being actually in the fashion world, you could give insight to this. But what I was going to say before, I feel like 
with cyberpunk in terms of maybe I could relate this somewhat to what textile you were saying, but you know this very well is that certain art forms when it comes to shamanic practices, for example, in the Amazon, you have Icaros, which are the lines of various dot patterns and colorful hues that are meant not as they don't have like, you know, like the Chinese, like Chinese art back in before like the 19th century, they don't have that notion of like, this is an aesthetic in terms of like, this is a work of art. This is rather a form of communication. This is mm -hmm. a form of spiritual practice through a form of communication with other worlds. So for example, the Icaros, you say them while you're doing ayahuasca so forth. And all these hipsters, they have fucking Icaro blankets and they, they, they look at, uh, you know, certain uh, visionary art and they're like, oh, yeah, I get it, man. And they go to their, you know, coding job and they live in their van outside of Silicon Valley. So, uh, <laughs> but it's, but when you talk about those type of practices disrupting, and I, I know that's like kind of like Marxist, like there's certain like out there Marxists that talk about like shamanism being a way of disrupting capital, blah, blah, blah. But it, a way of disrupting sort of uh, using things that are ostensibly somewhat aesthetic, but are deeper than just merely like a form of art, but are actually something like a spiritual practice. It seems that some certain forms of cyberpunk have that same spirit, but it's like much more mediated through a like biological apparatus. So like that one scene in Existence by Cronenberg, where it's um, well, Defoe's character, is like I, I i play that one game where it's like i'm god is an artist man it's like to me that is like <laughs> you're using like a technological but that's different because it's a biological a, a what you know i tried reading through it once believe me don't even do this but it's like the the brazier um essay about biomedia uh, a form yeah. of biomedia <laughs> i haven't read that yeah it's 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 kind of confusing, but it's Ray Brazier. So um, when you look at it like biomedia, not just technology, that was so interesting and innovative about existence, but also other work. So in a way, a weird way, it's like cyberpunk is trying to craft a, like a weird spirituality that can disrupt the certain power structure of that particular time. But in the end, it's always sort of like a failure because it's it's like you can't escape that which alienates you to begin with and i guess if that leaves you like ted kaczynski pilled i don't know what else will right because <laughs> yeah. ghost in the shell pilled ghost in the shell pilled. yeah <laughs> and another thing i wanted to bring up before i you know I, i'll stop for a long period because i want to hear all of your thoughts but zero hp lovescraft short story the one that came out not not i mean we'll get to talk about god shape pole but the one uh key performance indicators i wanted to sort of write not a critique but i mean i was gonna write something but then like uh it's like uh what if i'm sucking his dick you know so um <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah yeah but, oh, and, and well, real I probably well i was thinking about for the american sun actually um but the, the thing about what really struck me is that the idea of self um what one author called commenting upon Agamben and Foucault, participatory servitude, ostensibly to increase um, what we deem valuable, which is productivity in a marketplace, in a society. But it's like you constrain yourself 
through these various apparatuses through this neural link where the guy like he's talking about how if he like says like if he watches this number of ads then he'll get this much social credit point and he's like if he uh goes into the orgasmatron it's like you have to like defer gratification and you have to like give it to some trans lesbian of color male lesbian of color so it's like this mm. weird sort of thing where the thing that oppresses you is what you're not just consenting to, but what you crave in terms of this like weird social conformity of like a decentralized social credit system that is predicated upon the very thoughts and ideas that you have in every given day. Because there's a part where like uh, in, in Zero HP Lovecraft story where the guy, the main character, he like has this program where he can't uh, taste any food. You could taste amazing things, but you can't taste it because other people like other parts of the world don't have this amazing technology that can transform the slop into a, like, like what Cypher said in the matrix, like a juicy steak. What's the difference anyways. Right. And there's this other part where if he gets like distracted from his job, like some machine in his, like something that like turns the wire head in his brain, like zaps his balls with like the forces of a thousand suns. If he like, <laughs> if he like doesn't pay attention at work. So I'm thinking like that model of like, not just this, totalitarian control system but what if this is like a, a deeper form of internalization of these various like technologically mediated apparatuses that inform your subjectivity to such an extent that you think that you're actually doing good because it's like if i don't taste food then maybe that little african boy across the world he can also have this machine that makes like the the un nutrition slop tastes like a, a juicy steak right so Oh, and by the way, real quick, before Zero HP, also everybody subscribe, subscribe, oh, and subscribe. Helpful. But also, we have a, a question from Muhammad Lam Lamzuri. Break the rules. Can you please ask them to discuss Foucault's, Foucault's relevancy? And I yeah. think that'll be for a little, a little bit man. later after after Zero HP. But finally, when you said, uh, when you said, uh, what was it, bio... Uh, uh, bio power. No, no, no. Bi bio, bio media. media. Bio media. Mm -hmm. I thought of bio media, as in buy like purchase things made by the Oprah Empire. Like I don't know if she's <laughs> no. making magazines well, Oprah now. Oprah will be or... a transhuman god in the future. Exactly. Goddess in the future. So. That's the real bio media. <laughs> but anyways, zero HP. Uh, go ahead, brother. Uh, I, I don't know that I had anything to add to that. Geo uh, related my story pretty faithfully. I don't know if I really consider that work to be cyberpunk because uh, it does totally lack the romantic element. There's no real strategy. Oh, there's a very minor rebellion against the system, which it turns out in the end, the system already predicted and quantified and and had contingencies in place for. So I'm not, I'm not sure if I would really consider that to be cyberpunk. But Gio's very right in that ultimately most of these systems of control do become internalized. You know, we think about most of the sort of rules that uh, we see uh, strangling us recently, even something like the ban on Twitter. That doesn't really come from the state. It really just comes from people. You might argue that the state creates the conditions which, uh, which enable those people. I think is true. A lot of individuals are looking at, at a place like Twitter. You know, they get in their our hands meeting, they ask anonymous questions, they quickly, quickly go much more extreme than any uh, anyone probably in the leadership 
would want to adhere to. Because when I always criticize Stalin, I say, what we really need is fucking Stalin's. Right? You can say Stalin is great, but we should have more Stalin's. So that's why the, the world's always going in one direction and why individuals are the most relevant forces of these totalitarian rules, much more than, than the institutions that contain them. I think I caught like 2% of that. <laughs> I'm, I sorry. So I'm on the move. Mm, yeah, that may be the reason. But um, right now I'm in a difficult position because I'm eating this block of blue cheese and it's really <laughs> delicious. That's disgusting. What? No, fuck you. It's great. Who the fuck just eats blocks of blue cheese? <laughs> it's Lindy. Clearly, it's love. Clearly. Here's the thing about blue cheese, okay? This is not just regular blue cheese. This is uh, raw There's blue cheese. This is raw blue cheese from A2 A2 cows. So it's really good at digesting. Wow. Yeah, I know. Wow, exactly. This is really good. <laughs> But um, when it comes to uh, when it comes to back to the cyberpunk genre, I want to hear from people who I've not heard from as much, and I think that's going to be Ostaf. Could you tell us a little bit more about your writings? Because with the um, writing that you did about the school, is it fiction? Is it nonfiction? Uh, do you do a little bit of both? So in terms of that, so that was a uh, nonfiction, but I do both and. I would say that in terms of like what cyberpunk is, it really depends on when and where you're talking about. So the most general, broad, vague term that I could use is cyberpunk is technology operating on human minds. And I think of it as like this psychic plane, which is the collective landscape of our different minds interacting with each other. And then technologies, especially most recently the internet and networks have kind of broadened and expanded that psychic world into something that is now large enough to support complexes, which are, uh, you know, uh, disparate, disparate from whatever individual human minds may have uh, given birth to them. And so we call these things like egregores or memes or whatever, you know, there's a bunch of these different meme words for them. And that in and of itself is like this extending system of some kind of psychic organism, which replicates through people's minds and has been enabled by the internet. So in terms of like cyberpunk specifically, it's about those kinds of technologies and how technology gets into a feedback loop with our cognition and also uh, I think a big amount of it is generational uh, adaptivity. The word cyberpunk came from a short story by Bruce Bensky in 1980, right? And this was like when it was first coined was by this guy writing this uh, short story titled Cyberpunks and was originally about uh, specific people. It actually referred to a kind of person. And his point was that in the same way that punks of the era would you know ride around on motorcycles or whatever and cause chaos do vandalism things like that if you thought that was bad wait until you see these kids who because of their young minds and their neuroplasticity are so much better adapted to technological changes in paradigms like networks and who also because of their youth uh he believed that that made them kind of amoral and bad at understanding sort of the uh, social responsibility they might have had. 
And so those two things together meant that they would just surf around the net all day, causing chaos and older people and systems of control, which are kind of built from the past, would be unable to keep up with them. So I think the story of cyberpunks, a lot of it is about young people specifically, or at least people with that high neuroplasticity who are very adaptive to new paradigms and how they're able to maneuver through these gargantuan systems of control so that even though technology is accelerating and catching up with itself faster and faster, there's still someone who's able to navigate through that space. And that's kind of your uh, archetypal cyberpunk hero, who is this person who can live in the system and still thrive and exploit it. That's, well, my own that's wonderful. Yeah, that's great. No, no. So I just wanted to say that. that that is great. But my only question is when it comes to these young people, there's always a fear that's uh, inherent inside me that the more people are exposed to different kinds of media all the time, the less of which require their own mind to fill in the gaps. So if you would go through the, uh, you know, back in the day, Socrates, if he ever existed, lamented the invention of writing because now people would have, you know, less to do with their mind. You could uh, draw the same parallels to then the invention of um uh, radio, the invention of television, the invention of the internet, where, I mean, internet less so than TV, because with the internet, you are physically participating in it much more than just sitting down watching something. But still, there is this, uh, you know, the lack of the imagination that may potentially be strong enough to, you know, I mean, there is that whole thing about how you have the power to alter reality. And I do believe in that to a certain extent, but I think it also may depend on, like, you know, it's like saying that uh, like a person who was uh, born to only be five foot tall has, you know, the ability to uh, compete in the NBA. They did have like the shortest NBA player. I don't remember how tall Bugsy he was, but he Bugs. was, he was um, there we go. Yeah. He was in Space Jam as well, right? Uh, he was. Yeah. yeah. But uh, but anyway, like you would still have certain limitations like that. And uh, what exactly is a person to do then when it comes to being overindulged with all this te technological stuff and are people today in that sense weaker of will than they were before they had all these distractions well you're talking about people as like these atomic units who are totally cut off from whatever technologies and society is around them and i think that certainly in that regard right if you look at the modern zoomer next to the bronze age hero right then obviously the Bronze Age guy is going to win every time. They get into a wrestling match or whatever, you put them both into the wilderness. But that's not really a useful way of looking at human beings, I feel like. Nobody's an island, you know? Everybody is connected to some position in time and space and also in society. And so if you don't build that kind of wall, what you see is that a person can influence so much more through this technological growth and through their involvement in the network than they could isolated. So in, I guess it depends on what you're looking at. No, no but I, I agree, I agree is, with yeah. that. I agree with the fact that they would be able to influence a lot more uh, with the technology that we have. At the same time, though, I mean, a counter to that would be, I don't remember who said that recently, that uh, Lucille Ball had more of an influence on people back during her day because more people uh, knew about her than Joe Rogan does today. But anyway, the other point, though, is not so much about, oh, 
Bronze Age man is strong, so he'll be able to beat up the Zoomer nerds and choke them out and stuff like Joe Rogan. <laughs> well, although but, it could, no, it's a <laughs> yes, good but uh, <laughs> no. But what I what I mean is not that. What I mean is more about the human mind, and that maybe people during the Bronze Age. I mean, I'm making great assumption here, but maybe they needed to, and not all of them, but like certain ones needed to concentrate a lot more using their minds to solve certain problems. Where today, if we can click a button and do something, it's like our mind may be atrophying because too many things are being done to service it as opposed to the mind itself functioning at a higher capacity. I could be wrong here, but I, I well, focus more on that part of it. We see a lot where so-called digital natives are terrible at computers. Like they don't Google things because like if they needed to know it, there would already be something pulsing in their field of vision telling them that they, that they need oh, to know Oh man, it. That, that's horrible. That's like an even like a, another level down. Than even what I was talking about. So I think that again, though, like you're, di you're divorcing the person from the context, right? I think that Google is an acceptable form of transhumanism, where if you have regular access to a search engine, then that can be considered, you know, offloaded cognitive work, which still ultimately yeah. belongs to you. So yeah, I don't think that it's fair to make that. Yes. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if it ultimately belongs to you in the sense that this is why I'm I'm pretty much against a lot of psychedelic usage because it feels like you're using an external device f as a crutch to gain certain insight, and there well, may I, be a part of your brain but, that you're not really working out when you do that. Well, this well, is I, yeah. Go ahead. Well, well, this is one thing that I will say about psychedelic usage. In in one sense, if we're if Again, I hate to say this and sound like a broken record, but if we are to locate intelligence within ourselves, right, because we're human beings, like our primary focus is, is locating intelligence within ourselves, then Hegel's um, ideas apply, correct? In that we are conditioned by our environment, that our ideas are not always ourselves, that soul is imbued through um environment and sociality and all these other things like that's what uh, and heidegger actually would agree with that but they would take it a step further to say that rational agents just don't control everything and this is again the issue with this sort of anthropocentrism of hegelian philosophy when it's centered in in the in anthrop in the anthropocene which is that we are that we should only be concerned with our own intelligence because it's our own, right? Because I, because it supposedly belongs to me and it was given to me through other things that we, we assume have sapience. I mean, they do by definition that those are the only forms of intelligence in the world. But if you look at like Zongchen Buddhist practice, it shows you that there are forms of intelligence that exist outside of the dialectic. If you look at, let's say, when, when the Orthodox Church, when people pray, they do it through, through breathing inwardly, right? So, and when you split up the Christ and you make him mind-body, uh, you, you, put, you split the Christ into three, into three different people, and then you start to breathe like that, there is a certain practice that that gives you that is like, that is its almost form of artificial intelligence, but it's, it's biological, it exists, it's material too. So I think that there's there's multiple poles here that people are not really diagnosing when they talk about, well, what is intelligence? Mm. Does it belong to me? Does it belong to you? In my opinion, I'm like, we're so far past this point. The true cyberpunk is we should not be concerned with what it, with who 
owns intelligence, with who has a dominion over intelligence. I think any sort of idea that is still concerned with that, it's like, look at climate change, for example. This is a per, this is maybe a clumsy, uh, a clumsy analogy, but I'll make it anyways. So let's look at climate change. Libs spend so much fucking money just to find out whether we did it or not. Not in climate stability, not in the fact that we can materially experience climate um, change, because the climate is always changing. But instead of saying, well, maybe a mini ice age is bound to happen, I'm going to spend that money centering it and locating on you, you poor serfs in red states. It's your fucking fault. And yeah. I'm going to and I will spend billions of dollars to prove and browbeat ourselves and locate the fault within ourselves. And it's a Faustian bargain. And and I, and so that's kind of where I was going with it. But that's it's why a, oh sorry, go, go ahead. Go on, go on. But I'm just saying that's why liberalism, neoliberalism, whatever the fuck we want to call it, creates yeah. just a stasis in governance because that's all it's for. It's to create these NGO apparatuses that study the issues to death. And then all of a sudden nothing changes and it's too fucking late. And I think that's by design. Like, I don't even know if it's, uh, I, I think it's a feature, not a bug of the way that they engineer social relations or whatever. Yeah. I would, I would yeah, push back. I would push back a bit when it comes to making an analogy, let's say with exercising, I wouldn't, pay money to hire people to exercise in front of me or to lift me up like, uh, you know, uh, an Arabian uh, sheik and transport me from one room to another. You know, if I were to use my own legs to do that, I would gain some, uh, you know, some advantage in the long term in terms of health. I think the same thing applies, like, let's say you're talking about breathing. That's a perfect example because you're using your own willpower to breathe in and out in a specific way. And I think you're connecting to something that's higher than you are. So, yes, in a way, we are connecting to other networks that are beyond whatever it is we currently know. But it's we who are connecting to them. It's not like we're looking at a screen of somebody else connecting to them and admiring and thinking, oh that's you know that's not bad i wish i could do that so that's why i think utilizing our own willpower is something that may eventually come to a point and this is kind of a controversial take uh because i don't really have evidence at this moment to back it up it's just like my own will tells me that there is something of a uh in inner internet that we can go into you could call it the astral realm you could call it the dreamscape whatever you want but people have had many stories both like with psychedelics and not with psychedelics of being able to go into these places where they meet other people there who have an avatar you know one person would look like a moth to somebody else another person would look like a tree stump man so when you get something like that it's very interesting to me to think about what is exactly going on here with our reality and these other realities we can access is the internet just like a training wheel uh training wheels rather for eventually being able to go into this much more uh flexible uh landscape that's not made out of uh, ones and zeros and not made by uh, nerds with a bad back posture are we talking about serial experiments lane then is that i haven't that finished subject? watching the whole thing so uh don't don't spoilers but uh i know she starts off with a computer i don't know if she ends up going into the astral realm i mean that would be pretty interesting but yeah like 
I guess I don't even know if you would qualify something like that as being cyberpunk, though, because you're taking away the wires. You're taking away, you know, all the ones and zeros. You're basically saying that the entire realm of consciousness is our cyberspace playground to explore and to communicate with that we just haven't really figured out how to how to hook into that. Well, again, I think that's kind of the culmination of cyberpunk is that it's moving towards a point where we're leaving behind the silicon and the fiber optics and whatever. And we're going to be building these more complex systems of interconnected cognition, right? Where one possible vision of the future is a hive mind where everyone's thoughts are perfectly beamed into everyone else's heads. And you end up with this giant spanning meta consciousness that thinks all these thoughts simultaneously. And I think that there's also um, to make another point, like the cyberpunk is not entirely about cyberspace. And I know I'm not saying that's like what you're implying, but just like, I think that, um, for example, like I know one story that people reference a lot as kind of pre-cyberpunk is <laughs> Stars My Destination. And that one involves a lot of similar elements of this kind of uh, small fish, agilely navigating through a technological landscape. And I think that there's even a case to be made for like a cyberpunk reading of Don Quixote. Like mm. You can go as far oh, back yeah. as you want to yeah. talk about this chivalry that he's imagining and he kind of like built into a hyperstition brings it into the real world. And I think that's a parallel with serial experiments lane where this imaginary um, or not imaginary, but this artificial construct, right? Where everything's just existing on the internet. That's not real life. That's just social media. That's just whatever. It then becomes an influence into the real world in this hyperstitional sense. Well, Did this is what Gio the, was saying. Um... Yeah, no, but that was what I, I was only saying because the meme analysis did this excellent video on uh, comparing Cracky Chan to Lane. If people remember Cracky Chan, she <laughs> of was course. Like the first e girl ever pre-boxy. in the history. Yeah, pre boxy, even pre boxy, internet... aka shoe on head. I think they're the same person, but anyway. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, but like the internet incels sort of like ruined her life on RNK. So. It's it's sort of like the same concept of of uh, the Faustian bargain of of uh, I don't know what would be like the female Electra complex of the Faustian bargain. I don't know. Electra like... that that was also a character from uh, Nadia uh, Secret of Blue Water. She was uh, you remember that was that was a great anime. But but Geo, I think I think it's also important what you mentioned recently with the whole purging situation. How uh Oh by the uh, way, they just got rid of Chenny and Reactionary. Shout out to my boy. I love ooh, I can't believe he didn't do F. anything. Yeah. Well, I I know you know what it, but again, this is not don't we get know, me wrong, yeah, it's we, not we, about we like you is. did something wrong. It's about an impersonal algorithm that has deemed you part of a radicalization network. That's probably what it yeah. is. And so, but anyways, but, I, but, but just... Gio, but Gio, you were saying earlier, and I think it's a very important point that you were making, how we are maturing as an internet culture when it comes to treating the people uh, that we talk to online, not just as these, uh, you know, oh. avatars behind the screen, but how there is a lot more of an emotional connection that starts forming over time. That means a lot more than, let's say, certain interactions one would have in their neighborhood with people that they may not actually have anything in common with other than living around the same area. You know, like there is something much more tangible to the relationships that we start bonding, uh, you know, bonding with the people online. So could you expand a little bit on that? Because I think it also relates to creating one's own tribe 
in the long term here, kind of like how we're doing with the BTR Discord. Speaking of which, guys, go to our BTR Discord right now. <laughs> this is the place where we're all going to gather, and this is like our... Um, what did the Jews have when they were fleeing Egypt? They had the uh, uh, you know, the tent. What, what, what is that? What, what, what was it? They're called Sukkot. Yeah, but that particular thing, it was the like the portable Ark of the Covenant. Uh, I don't oh, remember what's... Tabernacle, thank you, yes. So our Discord server is kind of like our Tabernacle. And by the way, thank you everybody so much for the subscriptions. Right now we are at 3,010. So this is growing Whoa, really, really great. So yeah, subscribe right now. And this is our Discord. I just posted it in the chat. Join our Discord right now so that we could keep this thing going and uh, everybody Whoa. stay blessed as well. But anyway, uh, well, Gio, could you expand a bit? I have a, a lot bit? of uh, mixed, yeah. mixed thoughts on it that I came up because there was this article recently in um the walrus that i did a video on in my channel um the walrus for those who don't know it's basically like a budget like baffler jacobite magazine for canadians it's like the knockoff version so um <laughs> so they they and and they have some like particularly ghoulish people working there like michael corn but whatever that's a personal vendetta um they had this article about how zoomers are quote unquote changing the internet and how the internet is going towards a model of like with TikTok and TikTok, TikTok activism is going to a model of like extreme, like personalization. And like the fact that um, you interact with people through like, not just voice and through like impersonal metrics of posting, but rather through like your face and you interact with people and you interact with people as they are like they're totally doxxed and the internet is basically going to become like an extension of real life through these like zoom woke zoomers who are like posting tiktok videos basically they're going to destroy like this older like gen x millennial model of like you had a form of self-created subject as i said in the video a form of like self-created subjectivity through posting through and, and it's not my point again this is i stole this from don jolly who is another great youtuber along with meme analysis where basically you had to prove your worth through these impersonal anonymous venues of like posting forums tweets uh articles you name it right but now they're going to destroy that in favor of a total control system where like the zoomers are going to become like their whole being is essentially going to be an extended onto the internet. And they're going to package. This as like, this is going to be good for limiting things like cyberbullying and all that bullshit. But I'm crossed at this because I do believe that in some ways, especially with what's going on in the world right now with the, uh, the whole bullshit, uh, you know, the Chinese delicacy that's been imported to us. I feel that... <laughs> Speaking of delicacy, by the way, do you know what this by is? By the way, I did survive, so I don't care about it anymore. So, uh, anyways, yeah. that's... As by the way, this is... CTR knows. Do you, do you, do you know what this meat. is? No, but meat. close. It's bison liver. Pecking duck? Bison <laughs> liver. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, <fuck. laughs> um, oh, my God. So, anyways, I... I <laughs> bison liver um so i i feel like there still needs to be we're entering in some ways a form of like as the dark foresting comes about we're entering a form of like immaturity from a sort of like adolescence where we say that the internet doesn't matter it has no place it has no like bearing on the real world but now the internet is the real world I feel that we're going to have to like conform to this reality of like, if you were a genuine person 
uh, you have to sort of think of it as like an extension of uh, your own self. Because like I said, you know, I said before, like these, these bannings, it's like this uh, network of power that's come about and it's a decentralized form of, of essentially biopower, but a digital biopower that's now going to limit someone's reach in the real world because they're limiting essentially the vector by which most people in this day and age communicate. And I wrote this in my article in uh, I am 1776 people read about, it. I talked about Giorgio Gombin and all that. But so I feel like this is pertinent to cyberpunk discussion because it's like that same, they've already accepted like in Blade Runner, you already accept that, you know, the, digitality is just the way of being that it is now and it's like all of that sort of work but at the same time there's this paranoia about it because like philip k dick was an incredibly like you know mystical paranoiac so in a way it's like your 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 subjectivity is fundamentally in danger but at the same time your sense of self it's almost been totally obliterated by uh, digital technology as such and it's like just a matter of like riding the tiger and riding the waves of it so very similar again to like Foucault and Agamben when they say about like su su the subject is created by power it's not a matter of like my super spe special sacred place of like you know oh I could escape it it's like there is no escape that unless you want to go total ted pill but that's yeah well that's that's actually when you talk about escape that's something i think about that that ernst Junger actually wrote about in storm and steel mm. is he mm -hmm. he actually spoke and i think it's really uh i think it's funny because jacques derrida in the late 80s and 90s he brought ernst Junger into a lot of his writing and same with avatar ronell um and people like that and mm. and one of the things that they talk about is that, you know, especially in Storm and Steel, he has this passage like the man is no longer the man. He is now the uniform. The uniform is the man. And it's mm. this kind of like linguistic play on subjectivity, especially when it comes to the 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 what's in what's put on to what's placed onto somebody when they're in the middle of war and, and, and when they're in the midst of 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 stress. And I think that 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 certain outside stressors also it's not just it's not just technology as it stands. Right. Like there's a there's a guy who I really, really love. And if anybody need, should, I think everyone needs to read this book. He's a historic. He's the cultural anthropologist Heiner Molman. He wrote this book called Maximal Stress Cooperation. And he talks about how. All cultures, all civilizations, they, 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 they follow the same pattern as, as biological creatures in the wilderness. Like when a civilization is, when a, when a creature in the wild confronts its, a challenge and it wins the challenge, it gains verticality. The same with a culture or a technology or a civilization. So it almost has its own in a weird way, and I'm not talking in a panpsychist sense, it, it almost has its own will to life. Because, but let's say you have a, a one ape and it kill and it destroys another ape, it beats it up, it gets the chick, blah, blah, blah. It, if it's confronted with its victor, the person who beat it, it goes into a depression and it dies after three days. The same civilizations follow that almost same exact power, especially when you look at the, the GI occupation of, of Germany in World War II. Same thing with Britain in World War I and how they had their necks on Germany, which led to the rise of Adolf Hitler. 
So in a lot of ways, it's not just sorry to go on this fucking crazy batshit insane rant, but I, but I don't think it's I, I don't think it's merely just cybernetic technology. I think that there are certain uh, wills embedded into things that that go on way before this. Egregores, in other words, egregores. Exactly. Yeah. Ex exactly. There's there's always been egregores. Or uh, specters like Karl Marx's Specter of Communism, something like that. Yeah. Derrida, the best book on Marx is a Specter of Marx by, by Jacques Derrida. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Marx and uh, we had a Foucault process. question as well earlier on for uh, Gio. But also, James, I wanted to speak to you, my friend, about... Oh, uh, hey, I'm here. Deuce X. <laughs> I said so, you to acknowledge me for the first time all <laughs> Well, are we going to talk about Cyberpunk? What's it called? 2070s? Uh, yeah, well, we can compare the two because I think it was based on Deus Ex, right? <laughs> um, I mean, Cyberpunk 2077 was based off of the tabletop game. So it was not based off of Deus Ex, but it was definitely influenced by Deus Ex because there's a lot of um, similarities in, uh, I wouldn't say... The, the mechanics of the game, but the the type of gameplay and, uh, you know, having the freedom to do whatever you want, tons of quest lines, blah, 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 you know, all, all that type of stuff. But uh, the well, writing the, in Deus Ex is way, way better. Yeah. Wait, before we go on, who here ha has played Deus Ex? Oh, no, I Yo. played Cyberpunk. Oh, so you played uh, Cyberpunk, Adam? Yeah, yeah, I played it. So I have not played Cyberpunk. I am. Would you say that I am halfway in Deus Ex right now, James? If uh, I'm up to the, I what came part back are you up to, to again. I came back to Hell's Kitchen after the whole thing with the triads and the nuclear uh, area and all that. Uh, yeah, I, I would say so. Probably. I I don't remember the exactness off the top of my head. I mean, I know. I know the last area, which I don't know how well, much you know. No, no, yeah, I know, I, I know what it's gonna be. I don't okay, know what's so. gonna be in there, but I know what the area is gonna be. Okay, so you know you go to Area Fifty One then. Yes, well, yeah, yeah, for the yeah. dude, for the people who have not played this, I mean, I know it's been twenty it's years. It's a fucking twenty-one-year-old <laughs> game. You sounded like Shaggy from Scooby Doo when you said like, that. <laughs> like Zoinks, man! It's a twenty-one-year-old game. I'm not worrying about spoilers, dude. <laughs> but uh, but but when it comes to uh, the uh, legacy of uh, this game, a lot of let's say conspiracy theory conversations owe a lot to it because especially with what's going on right now, you know, people are already making a lot of uh, you know a lot of comparisons. <clears throat> so uh, what what do you think about like again? I haven't seen the full thing yet because I'm only halfway there. But uh, would you say that we owe a lot to this game as far as the way that our minds work, at least for the people who have played it, and then kind of like brought that out into the greater culture where it also becomes kind of like an ego core of its own? Absolutely. I mean, especially uh, Deus Ex, the original, obviously, and uh, Metal Gear Solid 2. I mean, they, you know, Warren Spector and, and uh, Hideo Kojima pretty much predicted the entire culture climate to come. And, uh, you know, the state of affairs that we're in right now, I mean, to to say that both Kojima and Spectre are time travelers would not be a bad theory in itself for how much that, you know, they got right. Um, yeah. You know, some of it accidentally like, uh, you know, no twin towers in uh, in Deus Ex because they couldn't uh, they couldn't fit it into the coding. 
And then they were like, oh, uh, well, the excuse is it was a, a terrorist attack. And then, you know, stuff like that happened to just, you know, pretty much everything else in the game. You know, now we have, you know, the one of my favorite parts is the very opening cutscene where, you know, they're talking about, uh, you know, the virus and vaccines. It's like, why contain it? Let it spill into the streets. They'll be begging us to save them. And, you know, that's what you could say is going on right now is that, uh, you know, they they let this virus, you know, we got to be careful. We got to be careful when talking about this. So, uh, yeah, well, the, the virus is talking about Deus Ex. Deus Ex. The, the, the hypothetical uh, if there was a hypothetical virus, that was the same as the one in Deus Ex where, uh, you know, uh they just let it spill into the streets for profit you know for big pharma to to control us to you know get people used to um you know all these conditions and whatnot that uh hypothetically are the same as deus ex in real life by the way speaking of conditions i'm noticing uh i'm noticing a certain device for the back that textile ranch has my advice would be to look at, uh, let's see if I can load it up here. I recently got this thing called the Chirp Wheel. They are not our sponsors yet, but I'm going to be reaching out to them to see what will happen. And I'm telling you, this is a very, like, I'm not making money from uh, shelling this thing, but get this thing. It's called the Chirp Wheel, and it is so good for your back. See, it has wow. these little grooves over here, like in the center for your spine. Yeah. So this oh, is that's I, great. I think you're going to enjoy that so much and your back is going to be <laughs> thank, nice. thankful for you. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. And you know how I got this? I got this from an advertisement because I probably was, you know, uh, looking up, you know, uh, upper back related things. And uh, in that way, I am thankful. Otherwise, maybe I would have known about this. So there are well, I've some had good back broken from all the gay sex. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, is that it's why like they the call Homer it Bro Simpson Brokeback can. Mountain? Yeah. Which one? Which one did you get? The medium, the deep all tissue. Three, all three. All three. Oh, you got the three wheel pack. Okay, there we go. Yeah. So I go Better from deal. one to the other. Better. In fact, I have the smallest one on the back thing. Yeah, you're not gonna be able to see it, but right, right up in front of my monitor here i have a separate seat when i actually sit down because believe it or not i don't stand up all the time and when i sit Shocker. down i sit down in this 90 degree angle chair which is made out of wood just like hard wood layered on top with a semi-thick yoga mat so just imagine mm. like an l-shape yoga mat and that is what i sit on but i also put the wheel in the back and that's oh, wow. that. That's really good because that way I could just like oh. sit yoga pose. And I have a whole thing which I talked in previous streams about. I have this pole that I attach my uh, thirteen inch uh, tablet to an e ink tablet, and I use a Bluetooth remote control to flip the pages on the e ink tablet when I'm reading books. So I basically have the book right in front of my face. Well, further away, obviously, but it's to eye level. So that way, mm. when I'm drinking coffee in the morning, I hold the remote control with my other hand, flip the pages in the book, and I think I know. Would that be an example of cyberpunk? Being able to take technology in your own hands, using it maybe not even in the way that it was meant to. Like, I don't even, I've never seen anybody use these e-ink devices like I use them to read books on. So uh, I really do believe that in that way, I am improving certain things in the world. But uh, how about everybody else here? Like, what are certain ways that you are fighting against the machine of conformity and uh, figuring things out? And uh, I mean, obviously, everybody here, you know, you have Substacks, you have your shows that you are doing, your Patreon. 
But uh, what else, like, what else do you think that you can do or other people can do to take more control over their lives and uh, yada, yada, yada? You, you, you get yeah, what I'm maybe saying. Maybe all with of this. us being banned is a good thing then. Cause yeah. You know, I could actually focus on actually writing a fucking book on uh, well, the, the neoliberal yeah. catch or something like that instead of fucking tweeting all day. <laughs> well, the only reason I'm bummed about getting my Twitter taken down is because I have a book coming out and I don't know how the fuck else to promote anything these days. And I, I want it to sell because I don't want to have to fucking work. But whatever. Um, as far as combating the ideological hege hegemonic conformity machine, you have to find your homies. You know, like last last year, I was so fucking depressed. I just like, you know, I've even had, I've had friends from, you know, the art world and whatnot that have just dropped me for just having like, I and I know it's about shit that they don't even fucking care about. Like, you know, what I, like none of them actually supports Black Lives Matter on like a really spiritual kind of level. It's just they're told they're supposed to. And if you criticize it, then they have to drop you. And I've had like actual loss of friends over this shit. But then at the same time, when I lost the, you know, I lost a writing gig last summer and was accused of being crypto fash and all this bullshit. Um, you know, that's when I'll just tell this kind of, uh, we were talking about it in a group chat the other day, but the way that Barrett and I became friends is I wrote this, um, article i wrote this review of the last royal trucks album and royal trucks is barrett and i's both favorite band of all time but i was really disappointed by the album and i kind of trashed it in the review and barrett played on that record but that's what kind of brought us together as friends you know like a shared yeah. interest in music and philosophy so you have to make these kind of authentic connections with other people that are trying to stay outside and observant of the system uh, that are trying to reject. I mean, because we do live in probably the most suffocating culture of conformity, I think. Oh, yeah. I think since modernism and without other people to talk about this shit with, you're really fucked. So just find yeah. some, send some emails to some people that you like, DM them. Like people will talk back to you, make some fucking friends. I agree. Hey, group, group chats are the way and group chats are the fucking light. I hate to and say uh, it, speaking of group chats, forward, fuck. We have two U.S. dollars from Kyle, a great patron of ours. Game genres are eager gores. Deus Ex lives in cyberpunk. I couldn't agree more. And we were saying before about Deus Ex, just to circle back to that a little bit again, because I know that we sort of talked about that, then we stopped, and I want to make sure that, James, you get to say everything you want to say about cyberpunk, because you are the man, and you love... J now, why do you love J.C. Denton so much as a character? Because you have him on your profile picture, uh, you add him as your name. Um, It's more... It's not as much like J.C. Denton, the character. It's just, uh, you know, Deus Ex in general, and, you know, being the main character, and uh when i had my old at it was just like it was the first thing that came to mind i'm like all right combining mk ultra and what am i gonna combine it with i'm like oh jc denton and then uh i put that as my av and you know the one that i have on the discord not the uh not the same one that everyone else uses which is just like the cover because it's like you know i don't want to there's nothing worse than using an, an av that literally everyone else has but uh we should get that guy on, though, by the way, the male model that they used in that photo. I wonder what he's up to nowadays. Who did they use for it? I didn't even I know. Don't, they used I don't the know. Model. Oh, no. I it's a it real like, man. You know, 
No, you no, got Warren the... Spector on, dude. Is Warren Spector the creator? Yeah, yeah, he's the guy that created um, Deus Ex, and he's like not done like shit really since uh, you know the last thing I remember him doing was Epic Mickey, uh, which was not that good, which was a Wii game, and then it had like one sequel. But it was cool though. I did get to meet him at Comic Con uh, right before it came out because he was there promoting it. So um, I had him uh, autograph a, a, a Game Informer cover because I didn't, you know. I still don't have a physical copy of Deus Ex, which I would like to get one day, like the big PC box and whatnot, but I just never got around to getting it. But, uh, but he was cool. I think I have a picture with him somewhere floating around in my tens of thousands of photos I have, but. And, uh, and Warren Spector, he created the whole story and uh, whatever the characters do, or was it more of a team effort? Um, I mean, I mean, games are a team effort. Of course, but like, no, you know, but he, I mean, in terms of like the brain trust, like the idea. Yeah, he, he's definitely the, the the main brains behind it, and I think like he like literally he literally came up with the idea for um, you know Deus Ex. Hmm. It is kind of like with um, and pardon my eating of the blue cheese again, but uh, it it is kind of like um the guy who created Conan, you know, not really being that buff of a character. You know, so you, you see over here, uh, Mr. Spectre, like he doesn't look like a super, you know, strong FBI agent or whatever. You know, he just looks like a you know regular, regular yeah. dude, not really working out that much. But uh, in that way, like I do value the power of the mind to be able to connect. And somebody is calling me and it's so rude. I should have turned the phone off. <laughs> Everybody subscribe, subscribe while I get this fucking phone and yeah, turn uh, it the fuck but, off. Yeah, uh, his credits on Day Sex is as director and producer. Uh, he was a producer on the first System Shock. Uh, apparently he's working on System Shock 3, which it's like, I don't even know what's going on with that game, if that's actually coming out. Um, apparently System Shock, uh, the remake of System Shock 1 is coming out, I think, this summer, which uh, is a Kickstarter game, and that's been pushed back a lot. Um, but that just got another demo recently, and it seems like that's actually real. So I'm, I'm very excited for that as well. Because the original the one... System Shock is just way too aged. Well, the one thing that I don't like about um, Deus Ex is the darkness it's so fucking dark and they give you a flashlight <laughs> thinking of your amazon orders from earlier <laughs> and they we know it's on les mine right now <laughs> oh man yeah you, Freudian, you probably want to for a gamma correction setting and cheat with it <laughs> Well, I don't know. I mean, in Cyberpunk 20, it's kind of like they have. Like... No, no, that would that would make sense because you would go up to your opponents, you would take the flashlight out, then you would just you like... said it again. <laughs> I know, no, 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 no. I meant to say it because you would take the flashlight and intentionally pleasure them with the flashlight so that they would coom and then they would just fall asleep like a baby, and uh, you know that, that, that way you could part, sneak that in. That was like uh, Eros, and um, that was the one. Oh, what painting was that? by rubens where it was like eros was it eros and psyche or was it eros and uh the god of war where he she like pleasured him and he like slept ah oh, forget about it, forget about it. <laughs> and uh enough well no not enough unless you wanted anything else to talk about regarding <laughs> bless you deus x yeah. or deus ex uh, yeah i mean um i just I think it's pretty much the a perfect game, and uh, it's it's amazing that it's held up so well. I think the first time I played it was 
2010. Uh, so the year right before Human Revolution came out. So it was 10 <laughs> years old at that point. Held up perfectly. And then, you know, the last time I replayed it was uh, February of last year. And again, it just still holds up perfectly. Obviously, the gameplay is a little bit better in Human Revolution, but um, the writing is just so good. And, uh, you know, the, the gameplay just still holds up and aesthetically it's amazing. It's like, you know, it's it's one of those games where it's like it's been memed where it's like on 4chan where it's like every time you mention it, someone will reinstall it where that would be the case for me. But I always keep it installed and uh, it's it's just ah, it's, it's perfect. And the load times are so short. At least maybe yeah. it's because they have a fast computer. And by the yeah, way, it's Kyle... also, you know, a 21 year old game at yeah. this point. But, uh, you know, and it really, you know, not just in terms of writing, but also just gameplay for, um, you know, the just all the amount of exploration, the different ways you can finish missions. I mean, you know, that is the, the immersive sin genre. I think it's uh, considered, you know, stuff like that and uh, the system shock games and uh, the, the most recent prey game and, you know, stuff like that uh, has really I would say it's probably my favorite genre of games because i just love when you have so many different ways to tackle it and you know cyberpunk is also you know part of this immersive uh sim you know rpg genre and it's you know i just hmm. i can never get enough of, of games like that and i feel it's very rare that they actually suck because you have to put so much effort into making it an immersive sim um compared to just you know a standard you know, mm -hmm. Western RPG or so whatever you, that you liked cyberpunk. I loved it. I think cyberpunk 2077 is one of the best games I've ever played. Uh, the writing, the, the writing could be better. Um, and obviously there's the bugs and, and stuff like that. And, you know, um, performance issues, but it's not bad enough where, you know, it's going to detract from the gameplay for me. I also played it on PC. I heard consoles okay, yeah. is literally unplayable. Yeah, uh, PlayStation 4, it was all, like, game-breaking, like, yeah. which Christ. Which I would have never, even before it was, you know, before it came out and we, you know, knew about all the issues, I would have never in a million years bought that game on console. That's something, you know, certain games like that, you just know are made for PC. And yeah. clearly that was the case. See, the thing oh, is, I also, love, uh, uh, oh, real quick, $2 from Kyle. Also, read Gradient Descent. Oh, read Gradient Descent. Actually, Liv, you were talking earlier, we were talking about um, this idea of like technology offloading cognitive work. And there's a short story in Gradient Descent titled I Am Sovereign, which is about a device which enables people to do a lot of uh, thinking and planning and then kind of erase that part of their memory. So they just end up with the end result. And so it raises a lot of questions about this exact thing that you were talking about, like how much of your uh, mind is being crippled versus how much are your abilities being augmented by these technological elements so go read it it's available <laughs> it's available online ebook and print uh it's uh you can find a link in my pinned tweet or it's also uh, i think kyle has a link as well on his uh, new cities page very interesting and i also wanted to make sure that adam you 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 wanted to um uh follow up uh, your thought about uh cyberpunk <laughs> it was nothing important i was just gonna say i i if there's a PlayStation game available, I usually play it on PlayStation just because I have a fetish for the PlayStation controller. It is a great controller. Yeah, you know it's. And it, you can't use that controller for, uh, for for the PC. There's no. Yeah, but uh, I I personally can't play a first person shooter with a controller. I just can't do. Interesting. That 
I've I've just been playing WASD for life. What? WASD for life. For real though, it's like I've been playing first person shooters on PC for so long that I think the last thing I the last first person shooter I played on uh console was Black Ops 3 just because, you know, the COD at that point was still having, you know, trouble with their PC ports, but since then, I don't think there's a single first person shooter I've played on uh console. I just can't do it. Uh, I'm playing, By the uh, way, go on. So, no, go ahead. Um, no, 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 I want to know what you played, and then I was just uh, going to say that I saw your message that you gotta you, you gotta bounce soon as well. So I want to make yeah, sure. Yeah, we're that just we... uh, about to start cooking dinner, but um, mm. I won't say that I had no fun playing Cyberpunk even on PlayStation. Like, of course, we had some good laughs. You know, like there was like you know we we romance Judy because we had a female character. And then we were with that cop guy, you know, like the cop character. And uh, my wife, she like did all the romance kind of language all the way up until the scene where they're about to fuck. And then she just like totally cock blocked him. <laughs> it was the best thing. It was like, he was like, I think I'm in love with you. And then he like grabs her leg and then she's like, I can't do this. And he's like, oh fuck. Like that's my favorite part of games is like, uh, like the this the lack of sexual fulfillment and what about the character by uh keanu reeves that seems to well that's the guy i put well, on I the cover to ask about the that was the best jokes. part as far as i think the writing goes in the game i think that's also just but, a testament to keanu himself because when he's it just, came to the game a great actor like what's per like i guess the the question in everyone's mind when it comes to the cyberpunk game is like what exactly um what exactly is like the complaint of like the trans issue? Like the complaint was that, Oh, well, it's almost like a retro, like it's like a boomer trying to understand it the way they were in the eighties. Like it's like a hyper exaggerated form of like, I don't know. Trans <laughs> when I hear that, I just tone it out. I'm like, These it's, yeah, it's it was literally, it's literally retarded. a non-issue. <laughs> no, but that's what <laughs> I mean. It's in an like, advertisement. Why would you not have a hyper exaggerated form of anything? But that's what yeah. I mean. Like this sort of like weird body Gnosticism has always existed within trans issues. And I feel that it's just like, I don't know what they want really. I mean, it's, it's like, uh, there's a, like this weird, like body. It's, it's bingo card discourse is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, I don't know, but what, what exactly is the issue? Like they're not being represented by exaggerating features of whatever particular gender, but yet it's like, I don't know, having read like literature and post-humanism and of course, inevitably the trans issue always comes up. It seems that, you know, when it comes to issues like prosthesis and how the body will transform, not just with gender, but also with like not stability, but also with like gender and identity and so forth. It just, to me, it seems like, not that they're well, they are making a mountain out of a molehill, let's face it. But I don't yeah. know, it's like the average like normie buying a video game, they're not going to go out and like read Bria Dottie about fucking <laughs> post humanism, you know what I mean? Like about trans issues and post humanism. It's like the average person, they're like, Yeah, transgender, it means you want to be MTF or whatever. And it, you know what I mean? Like it's to me, like when it comes to like a future of like a cyberpunk sort of utopia dystopia. I mean, in some ways, like, not that I agree with it whatsoever, but when it comes to, like, a genderless um, androgyny, that seems to be a more, like, realistic 
um, picture of the immediate future mm. within like a techno singularity than like any any and which has a- ancient roots as well. Like even if you like, you know, do something like study the symbolist painters, uh, then My there's sort of school. like this, yeah, this like weird androgyne going on that's tied to like this body gnosticism. Well, the, the angels are supposed to be uh, androgynous, right? Like mm-hmm. Gabriel mm-hmm. and Michael yeah. and all that. But they were the also badasses with with swords. You know, like they weren't like uh, these weak MBs. And it's it's in a way why I liked what ended up happening on 4chan with the NB and the Chud <laughs> and then the uh, Bunker seething with rage in the background. Yeah. Well, I mean, you can go back to hieroglyphs and yeah, see like non-conforming uh gender and honestly i think that idea of like you know paglia of course writes about it quite a bit in sexual mm-hmm. persona mm-hmm. but the androgyne and like the knowledge that some people are going to divert or transcend their sex through their gender is like a thing that's always existed the problem and i think like a lot of people equate the criticism of trans activist ideology with like a dismissal of what is a naturally occurring state of humans in nature. And and I think that's where everything gets super fucked up and chaotic because there's always been gender transgression. It's just that gender activist ideology is incredibly marketized and honestly like wants like the whole idea of children being told to like get sex change operations before they're 18 like that is that's not a sign of a healthy society we used to understand like when i was a kid i was a little fucking art nerd. I'm sure lots of people thought I was a fucking weirdo when I was a kid, mm-hmm. but they didn't think that I should like not be, you gotta figure shit out on your own. And I think when you marketize everything down to gender and identity and whatnot, it, it makes people feel even more pressure to commit to like, mm-hmm. uh, commit to like a state of being as a choice when it should just be a state of being. And the thing with a lot of these non-conforming gender identities that people, you know, uh, display in the realms of uh, fashion back in the day and, uh, you know, other creatives, the key thing here, and I think Alexander Bard would agree with me on this, is that they brought something interesting to the table. You know, they, they created something that was interesting for people to look at or to uh, explore uh, intellectually. But if everybody is going on that bandwagon and they're not bringing anything interesting to the table, they're just assuming it as an identity, it's not fucking enough. You know, if they're not attaching themselves to any kind of archetype, uh, if they just say, you know, I'm just going to be this ambiguous thing. Okay, you can be whatever ambiguous uh, identity you want, but is there anything else? Is there anything else that you'd like to offer humanity here, you know, that would uh, be interesting for us? And if it's not, it's like, okay, then why should I care? You know, then fine, you're a person, you're a human being. Uh, I love you as I love all the people in God's creation, yada, yada, yada. But still like, okay, but then what? You know, because if there's nothing else, then 
you're probably going to be even emptier than I will at the end of the day if you're not creating something from this that would give some kind of a satisfaction. If it's just a hug box mentality, everybody just affirming everybody else, I think eventually people are going to run out of that hug boxness and they're going to be even well, lonelier that's... and they're going to be even sadder. I love that since we had Noah on the stream, you've said like hug boxing <laughs> 30 exactly. times each episode. <laughs> exact to Mundo, Telemundo. Yes, that's the way that's but the that's, way it is. But that's the thing, right? That's when you form it, frame it as an identity. And I was asked like the relevance of Foucault in this. I mean, there is writers who have like done like analysis on like, you know, cyberpunk and Foucault. But I don't want like again, I don't like all those books like that are marketed to like normies like the matrix and philosophy just skip that shit just don't even worry about it well but, it's um, like it's like we had the furry stream like, and we asked a similar thing you remember geo yeah. like uh what was beyond just the fetishization and uh, right no like, but that's what i mean it's the fetishization of identity that is like really at the heart of like what the later you know later period foucault like within the history of sexuality um that's what he was talking about which gets you know unless like you have one of the more honest academics that's what really gets overlooked is that ostensibly the grandfather of gender and uh gender and queer theory is actually telling you that to pursue a like molarized like singular form of identity the way that it's become like window shopping and commodified the way that you could just like pick it through a bunch of like aesthetic options like Fancy that style. is what he's saying like that's the problem that's what you should avoid but it's just like when you have interpretations of interpretations then you get into the situation where like literally like while i'm doing it i'm browsing twitter here and i see like some the deluse bot retweeted someone that said uh you know the the potato mr potato changing genders is because mr potato read deluse and that's like a meme like i read deluse therefore i'm going to become trans now it's like that that type of stuff is like it, okay there's ta there's taking like and again cyberpunk is often there's this theme as well taking like a sort of an aesthetics of existence and making your life a work of art. But then to say, well, I'm going to then conform to a, you know, pol politically and socially advantageous identity group, then that's like, you know, there is like this focus on um, the medicalization of it, the psychomedicalization of like, well, I'm, I'm creating myself and I have empathy and I have like the lived ex focus on lived experience and so forth. And it's just like, you know, all of that shit doesn't really matter when, you know, global capital is ostensibly selling you like the means by which, you know, you identify with like whatever you exactly. feel is going to lead to liberation. So it's, yeah, yeah, exactly. And by the way, speaking of liberation for uh, free for all Friday that is happening this Friday, what I would like to do and I need everybody's help on this is uh, bring together a lot of the people who were uh, perched off of Twitter get communication back with them and talk yeah. with them about what's uh, what's going on but also one of the people who is coming uh, who has confirmed for friday who was in the chat of our the last stream that we had uh man i can't even keep up what was the last stream we had what was that about that was uh Gay sex <laughs> what was the last stream about it was um... what is going on 
Sonic. It was free for- oh, it was Sonic. Sonic. Thank you. Thank you. And I wouldn't even say it was a Sonic stream. We need a Sonic yeah. too because we had other people in there who we talked with. We had to kind of divert away from the hedgehog. So next tr- next time I do a Sonic stream, I am going full. Y- you know what? But anyway, one of the people who was in the chat who's going to be joining us on Friday, her name is Andrea Seabrook, and she has a Wikipedia entry apparently. Uh, so she is an American. Journalist covering uh, various formats, known for coverage of politics, Congress, the White House, and for her work hosting NPR signature news program, All Things Considered. Wait, is this is this really her? I mean, maybe. Yeah, Washington D.C. journalist, uh, NPR. Yeah, this is her. So Seabrook was among the NPR first on on air public radio personalities to leave NPR and start a successful independent podcast, Decode DC. So very interesting. This is what I mean about bringing people together. And she was in our chat and she was interested in what was going on with what uh, what we're doing here. So I'm telling you, cool. there are other ways of uh, reaching out as BTR has been doing for a long time uh, beyond whatever chambers exist, whether they're echo chambers or not. I think that a lot of people in this sphere, is that piss sounds? Oh, sorry. No, that's uh, she's cleaning a dish. Okay. I gotta roll, guys. It's been a, it's been a good time. Well, actually, we're gonna are we gonna end this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, we're gonna we're gonna end right yeah. now. But I just want to say real quick. So BTR is about bringing Please, people everyone together. Come back. We're gonna yes. we gotta have Adam on. Gotta have yes. Textile Ranch back on. We gotta have Chaos Prime back on. Hopeful Abandon back on. Mm-hmm. Uh, Maybe zero hp like obviously zero but, uh, hp obviously yep but before we go here i'm gonna plug everybody's we're all stuff banned from twitter and then so okay so adam we'll this is where lives. we go to so this is safetypropaganda.substack.com this is where you go to get adam's uh, substack please follow adam on the substack so next we have over and anything else would you like to plug by the way adam system of there we podcast. go. Let me do that right now. System of Systems podcast. Okay, this is the podcast. So this is uh, SoundCloud over here. See, this is why it's great to have a, a separate lower monitor that I am looking at to do these things. I have like one yeah. monitor here, another one right below me, which is my Cintiq tablet. So anyway, here we go. Uh, here is the Patreon. Please become a patron of Adams. Here it is. What is going on here? It's like two Dracula vampire gals. They, yeah, it was doing? kind of a reference to the Vampire's Castle is what I was thinking. But that's mm. uh, that's Werner Herzog's Nosferatu. Oh, man, I didn't oh, even know nice. he did Nosferatu. That's that, that's yeah. pretty cool. So, uh, and then Ostav, my friend Ostav, what would you like to promote? Obviously, yeah, people have been asking about Gradient <laughs> Descent. So, Gradient Descent, yeah, I mean, this I is a... Yeah, I did my big plug already. Doesn't matter. We're doing it again. So, guys, go in here. Absolutely, at- get it out there as many times as possible. Exactly. That's what we do. We here. That's are what we doing. Do here. Uh, we did. Yeah, we just got together a print run for it. It's uh, zine style, and it's printing for the price of materials. So it's like, you know, if you're into underground lit, it's really like a great deal for that kind of stuff. I would say you just got to go check it out. Other than that, you know, make sure to follow me on Medium. I don't update here regularly, is- but I do post all of my long form stuff there. Here is the medium. Go there, please. Oh, by go the way, there. I also have a Substack now. So yes, okay, plug the yeah, Substack right right now. It's in ha- my pin tweet, um, but I don't have anything on it. But I will. I'm going to do all my writing. Well, apart from like places like American Sun, I am 1776, other places. Um, I, hopefully, I'll 
um, the publishing and Lampus Lima's uh, Covidian Aesthetics Substack. But my own Substack, I'll, I'll be doing all my like blogging on there, and maybe I won't monetize right away. So I won't. I'm not going to dick people over like right away. But you know, um, here here is Geo Substack. Please be sure to follow him here. And also Geo Substack. Substack. The the only fans of suits pseudo intellectuals. <laughs> Uh, exactly um, and of course geo's youtube we cannot forget about geo's youtube right here yeah, almost a thousand subs then i Woo! can unlock various features that youtube uh like mo like monetization yeah super um, chats and uh and <laughs> yeah. super chats yeah and uh also, but we also promo posts i think lev we should step up our game with those uh i you know if you yeah we should do that like the promo posts like they have the community tab shit Oh Apparently, yeah, there's an algorithm thing. I going saw on. the I'll try the fucking algorithm though, dude. I mean, it's worth it's worth a shot. It didn't generate as much as I thought it would. You gotta I keep think doing it... it's persistency. Okay, no, that's uh, that's good. Persistence that's good. overcomes resistance. Good, that's good advice, brother. And of course, we have Chaos Prime, Caves of Could. Is that how you pronounce Could? I don't know. I, I pronounce Could. Uh, the guys mostly pronounce it Cud. Uh, Cud. Caves I like it. I'm gonna cood. So yeah. please follow. A lot like that. Yes, exactly. So please follow Chaos Prime as well on uh, Twitter. Here is his Twitter right over here. So be sure to follow him. And uh, next we have. Well, James is gone. I wanted to plug James's shit. James is gone right at the time when we're supposed to be plugging. Not not great, but anyway, I'm gonna plug him despite him not being here. So guys, go to MK Ultra Money Podcast. This is a new, well, he did have bad film cast before, but now he's changed it into MK Ultra Money. Wonderful series, check him out. Uh, let's see what else over here we got. Uh, we have also Patreon slash MK Ultra Money. So please please contribute to him and. Uh, uh, there we go. Look at this. This is designed by FodCorp. This logo over here. Very beautiful stuff. And finally, let me plug myself because I hardly do that and I should do that. While I am still active on Twitter, twitter.com slash levpo, join me. I have not that many followers right now, 2,204, but also I got to be tweeting a hell of a lot more, a lot of things to do. Anyway, guys, uh, buy my crypto cards as well. We were talking about cryptocurrency. And actually, before I plug my cryptocurrency, I also wanted to quickly mention that my father, Alexander Polyakov, he has a crypto art as well. So I just want to link it right now. So it's on a super rare. And super rare is a service where they provide you know different artworks uh, that you could buy on the blockchain. And here is my father's superair.co slash Alex Polyakov. I just want to quickly show some of the works over here, just so you see what exactly we're talking about. This is the latest of his called Seesaw. It is loading right now, so I'm just going to... Here we go. I'm going to grab it here. This is a Seesaw. Hold on, why does not work? Everybody subscribe. Don't forget to subscribe. There we go. He's coming back. Okay. Oh, oh, files are too powerful, so I have to take it and shrink it down again. Sorry, everybody I had to take a shit. I promote. Well, I promoted your shit while you were taking a shit, so everything ended up working oh, out. Based. Awesome. Great. Er yes. So check check this art out real quick. This is crypto art. You can buy this piece of art right now on uh, Super Rare. So oh, here I gotta scroll down. 
Okay, so superrare.co slash Alex Polyakov. And look at this, look at this artwork over here. Isn't this, isn't this adorable? See, we have the uh, squirrel and the mouse over here. And we have the uh, curious cat probably wants mm -hmm. to eat these little chiclets over here. And I like <laughs> the design of the seesaw that my dad created. See, it has these profiles of these uh, beasts over here that they're riding. So, yeah, my dad digitally painted this, and he's a great artist. And, of course, you can – yes, and follow James Healy. He brought the Twitter. Twitter. Yes, also, I forget the Twitter. Um, I, just I just dropped a little bit early the – episode season two episode five of mk ultra money dprk alex jones where i had uh my friend justin martell on who was talking about uh his experience with alex jones and he's been to north korea three times so he wow. talked about that which is a very good and interesting episode so check that out jules is on the episode also nice so, so it's it's jules arsene me and uh my friend justin so it's a good one uh it's it's up now Excellent. Please do that. And lastly, but of course not leastly, patreon.com slash break the rules. Go there. One of the things that we're going to be doing uh, is, well, one of the things we're already doing is we release the audio versions of all of our episodes earlier than they're available to anybody else. So you will have first dibs on that. $10, uh, five, sorry, $5 patrons, what is wrong with me, are going to get uh, access to our Discord as far as being able to post in the private group discussion in our Discord, as well as being able to post images inside of BTR chat. Another way you can post images on BTR chat is if we know you enough to trust you with it, we are going to give you the permission to do that. But it's a, it, it's a privilege, not a right, because we know what happened last That's time. Right. Exactly. Oh, so yes. So don't get me started. So just uh, follow, uh, follow us everywhere. Go to our Patreon. That is very important that you do that. That you keep supporting it. Twenty dollar patrons are going to get beautiful wooden magnets. Again, the magnets that are in the works right now. We decided to go for a profile view. Of definitely legit, and uh, that is currently being done right now. And. Uh, we are also going to, like I said before, an inflated lioness. I'm not sure exactly what it's going to look like yet, but that is also in the works. So I figured that for the Patreon magnets, it's interesting not just to be like random, uh, uh, just, um, you know, random like squiggly designs, but we want to take it one step further and make designs that uh, would resonate with the public. So something that is inside of our consciousness, like fat uh, um, inflated lionesses that you could play basketball with using them as the basketball <laughs> in the savannah of life. Anyway, guys, this is the end of the stream. I appreciate all of you and let us all be anti-fragile together. And like Biden says, we got to build back better. So Fuck break better. Baby. Like Biden <laughs> says, look, Jack, you can have gay sex with me all you want. I'm the gayest president ever made. <laughs> And that is the end of the show, ladies and gentlemen. Oh. And uh, thank you so much. Mwah. Good night, everybody. Subscribe right now. Take care. God bless. Goodbye. Thank you.